0: cast and more at sacredheartradio.com
1: Tuesday the 5th of September it's the feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta Uh, let's pray one of her favorite prayers which is John Henry Newman's fragrance prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Dear Jesus help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go flood my soul with your spirit and life penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with May feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you the way you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example. By the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do. The evident fullness of the love my heart bears for you. Amen. Mother Teresa, pray for us. And while we're at it, St. John Henry Newman, pray for us as well. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Hope you had a great Labor Day. We're coming back in on a Tuesday. Ready to get you... Back on track. Father Boniface Hicks will have some thoughts on and prayer and the rosary for us. We've been going through his book, Personal Prayer, a Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus will discuss teaching and evangelization. We'll dig more into the life and witness of Mother Teresa with Danielle Bean and how she shows us uh, how to live holiness in the daily grind. And then Dr. John Cuddeback from Christendom College will talk about Ending Summer Intentionally. So, stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
2: Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit yesterday to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home from Vatican Radio Deborah
3: Castellana Lubov has more. He went there to offer his closeness to the small and lively community of Catholics numbering less than 1500 in the whole country. More than 90% of them live in the capital. It is such an intimate group that they were all more or less able to gather together at the events, including the first papal mass ever in the country, and even all together in one photo op with Pope Francis. Monday, the Pope's apostolic journey, marking his 43rd apostolic visit abroad and his 61st country visited as Pope, drew to an end. The final event of his visit to Mongolia was a stop at the House of Mercy, a church-run clinic for the poor and refuge for victims of domestic violence and homeless people. The Pope inaugurated and blessed the charitable work and expressed his gratitude to the Church of Mongolia for showing such great care and concern for people facing economic difficulty and marginalization. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov.
2: Before leaving Mongolia, Pope Francis said it's incumbent on religious leaders to choose fraternity over fundamentalism. The Holy Father led an interfaith meeting Sunday morning in Mongolia, sharing the stage with representatives from a dozen other faiths. The Pope said, We are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. We must not contradict them and thus become a cause of scandal. Those joining Pope Francis on stage included representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Mormonism, and Evangelicalism. Here in the United States, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s in places today like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by Wednesday and move into the southern plains and the south later in the week. Congress is set to return to Washington today after its summer recess. Mark Mayfield reports.
4: There are a number of issues on the agenda, including a potential government shutdown looming in the coming weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could address his health situation this week after another freezing moment. Last week, the 81-year-old suddenly stopped speaking at a press event in Kentucky where an aide had to step in. A similar freeze moment also happened back in July. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. That according to multiple reports which cite the U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un have exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. And too much screen time is being linked to developmental delays in children. That according to a new study published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics, researchers looked at data from 7,000 kids and found that two or more hours of screen time increased the likelihood of developmental delays, especially in problem solving and communication. One-year-olds were 61% more likely to have delayed communication skills at age two when they spent more than two hours in front of TVs or cell phones compared to kids who spent less than one hour in front of screens a day. The risk went up nearly five times for children who had more than four hours of screen time. Well, yeah, if you're staring at a screen, you don't know how to look somebody in the eye. So, I mean, that's the extent of communication so i don't
1: know if you have this conversation in your house with so, my
2: one-year-old
1: well i have i mean I, I have it to this day i'm sure that as you go along the list you know there are there are other studies to be done we mm-hmm. were talking to my son yesterday i was like i don't want you watching that you know and he's like what do you mean like can i watch something else i'm like no he's like well what's the issue with it well it's not even necessarily an issue with the show that you're watching
2: it's just, the fact that you're watching just like anything
1: Go, run in the, go dig in the dirt. Go, like, exactly. smash a bug. Go, like, get in a bike wreck. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Just do do something dirty.
2: Oh, my gosh. You know what Freddie did over the weekend?
1: Got in a bike wreck?
2: Yes. Well, a scooter wreck.
1: A scooter into, wreck?
2: Into the grill. He burned
1: his okay. fingers. Oh, oh, like the charcoal grill. I thought you meant, like, the grill of your car.
2: No. Well, he does that all the time. That doesn't yeah. even phase him.
1: Wow, no. we used to put basketball marks all over my parents' van. Yeah,
2: now they just, now they just crash into now they just the front crash of the car. Bikes. Yeah, in the driveway. You
1: know. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He, along with Father Thomas Ackland, wrote a book called uh, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. And today we talk about Marian prayer. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. So this is a tricky one, and uh, I could just default to, and maybe you could default to too, the fact that we didn't grow up Catholic and the Marian prayer thing can be a little weird for us, but I want to zero in on Catholics who've been praying Marian prayers their whole life, but aren't sure necessarily exactly what they're doing, especially when they're doing them in a repetitious prayer like the rosary. So what? first of all, why is it that we're involving Mary in our prayer in the first place?
5: Yeah, I, I think a, a nice Catholic intuition, and it's certainly the, the wisdom of God, is is more relationships is better. I, a lot of times there's a, there's a kind of complaint or an excuse or something like, well, why can't I just go directly to God or directly to Jesus? Well, it's like, well, why have any relationships at all? I mean, why are we having a conversation about this? Why are you even asking me? Why don't you just go directly to Jesus? Uh, obviously, we're— we're mediating God to each other all the time. None of us came to know him except through somebody else, and in fact through a lot of somebody else's, not only in the words that were exchanged, but in the very experience of love, being raised by uh, parents who took care of us and being looked after by other people who are really sharing God's love with us, ultimately. We sometimes think of it that way more than others. It's more explicit, but uh, in any event, we're, more relationships is always better. And so uh, also in terms of the communion of saints, just because people have died doesn't mean that we're suddenly, the relationship is is gone, it's changed, not ended. And so uh, what relationships would we have that would help us to grow closer to God and, and really closer to each other? Well, the mother of God is uh, is a really important one. and And Mary actually sits in a place, of a very central place, being herself the type and figure of the church, uh, and she's really the face of the church, we could say, and, and she's so closely united with Jesus because he chose her as his own mother and loved her more than all of us do. And so loving her uh, really makes a difference. And, and one of the ways to love her then is to come back to your uh, question, your point is, through the rosary or through some other Marian devotions. to put some words to it, to uh, how, we, how we can love her and know her.
1: You know, I can't help but think as we, you know, here at the beginning of September, celebrate the feast of Mother Teresa and how Mother Teresa, one of her favorite prayers was John Henry Newman's fragrance prayer, uh, which I use from time to time here on the show. And uh, at the end of that prayer, uh, John Henry Newman writes, Let me praise you the way you love best by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by my words but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do. The evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. In many ways, like that sentiment is perfectly captured in Mary. So when you meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, you are... I mean essentially Mary is preaching to us without preaching it's it's kind of like asking her to sort of show you like to kind of give you a window into these moments of her relationship I mean it's not like you're learning like an apologetics argument for Mary it's it's more like experiencing that that relationship and I think that's something that we can get because we do that with our with our family members well we don't we don't know this relative of ours personally who passed on, but we know people who did know him. Like, give us a sense of who they were. You know, I mean, there is a sense that you get that in the rosary. Yeah, that's that's
5: really beautiful. And, and not even just in an informational uh, sense, like we might about a relative who died, but uh, we also see the love actually forms us. Love uh, transforms us, and so... The way that Mary herself is formed, to know her is to know Jesus. We, we, we come to know somebody who would choose this person as a mother, who would love this person in this way. We we come to know uh, Jesus just through the, the very way that Mary has been formed by, by his love for her and the way that, that she also loves him. And then certainly explicitly, it's, it was uh, John Paul II's theme after dedicating the third millennium to uh, contemplating the face of Christ, he then very quickly had a year of the rosary in which we contemplated the, the, the face of Christ through Mary. We looked at his face through her eyes and saw his mysteries through her eyes and contemplated them through her heart. So it really brings us more deeply into all of the beautiful truths and uh, mysteries of our faith.
1: Well, there are probably lots and lots of Catholics who've prayed more rosaries than it is humanly possible to count. Uh, And they do have a love for the Blessed Mother, but they sometimes perhaps have trouble sort of making that sort of mental or spiritual transition when they're praying these decades to where they can really sort of enter into that relationship with that mystery. Maybe they're too focused on keeping count, (laughs) right, or something like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because – you're a uh, professional prayer for a living. Uh, I think that's in your job description. I mean, do you have any maybe advice for people who are sort of stuck in that mode or get stuck in that mode from time to time?
5: Yeah, and I, I as you also do, Matt, I, of course, value uh, just praying the rosary. Every, everything doesn't have to be so heady. Exactly, there's a, yeah. <laughs> a lot of value in just, you know, being present, saying the prayers, and, and it forms us. Uh, so that at the end of our lives, maybe the only thing left in us is the Hail Mary. Great, that's fine, <laughs> as we're in a in a hospital bed or something else. But um, but yeah, just being I think just being mindful of it and maybe even thinking of it in those terms uh, as we're meditating. Obviously, focusing our attention on the mystery can be really helpful. Probably one simple suggestion: announce the mystery, you know, mentally even, and then leave. 10 seconds, 15 seconds to think about it. Um, or a, a, an additional suggestion, have an, a picture of that mystery to look at and look at it. Don't just plow into the next Our Father, but look at it for 10 or 15 seconds. It doesn't take too much to just interrupt the Rosary, to add a little bit more awareness, a little bit more intentionality to it.
1: Oh, I don't know, Father, I mean, Fifteen seconds—that's a—that's a big ask, a very big ask. You know, we're very—we're very busy people. Fifteen seconds is just not possible in this day and age. No, that's a great suggestion. And the art, man—the art really helped me when I first got started with the rosary, mm. uh, because your mind can be all over the place. But if your eyes stay in one place, it really helps. So. Father Boniface, really practical, good stuff this morning. We've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Father Boniface Hicks. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thank you. All right. Let's check on weather for the nation as we come off the Labor Day holiday. Looks like we've got the upper Midwest with some thunderstorm potential, uh, particularly in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, and western Wisconsin. Strong thunderstorms look to also take place within that same cold front in the mid Mississippi to lower Mississippi, I'm sorry, lower Missouri valleys. Too many M's and S's in my script here this morning. Areas affected by the cold front this afternoon will initially start hot. Temps expected to climb up into the low 80s to uh, sometimes upper 90s, depending on where you are in that bubble. After that cold front comes through, a dramatic cool down will take effect. Areas of high pressure in the rest of the U.S., unseasonably hot temperatures, again the case in the mid-Atlantic and northeast. Some monthly records could be broken. Dry weather will also be at play in the southeast states, temps climbing up there into the 90s. Back with headlines right after this, it's 16 minutes past the hour.
0: For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie.
1: I used to
6: wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more,
1: check out CatholicsComeHome.com. Eighteen past. Here's Anna with headlines.
2: Pope Francis is back in Rome after a long weekend in Mongolia. While on his flight back to Rome, the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. And heat wave is expected to bring 100 degree temperatures to tens of millions
1: this week. News: to the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I saw a lot of people who were asking about you <laughs> this weekend. I Are went you to Appaloosa make me Fest. Jealous. Appaloosa Fest in yes. Front Royal, Virginia. I still have never set foot on the college campus of Christendom. Right, um, but you a cool were place.
2: like you were like right there.
1: But we were we were in the in the orbit of it, and I did see Dr. John Cuddeback, nice. who is going to be on later this hour. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was outside the kid's tent uh, where the band <laughs> Cake for Dinner was performing. Nice. Uh, which Cake for Dinner is
2: well, the kiddish version, the kid of, version Scythian. of
1: Scythian. <laughs> um, Dr. Cuddeback was back there. And I went over and introduced myself to him, and, and I had to explain who I was for a second because I realized... I don't ever do his radio interviews I know. Here. I take them all. He only that's ever true. talks to you. I know. So, well, you know,
2: it's like I see him on Zoom all the time with the Institute of Catholic Culture.
1: By and the way, so lots like, of lots of ICC people there.
2: Oh, I believe it. I mean, that's their that's their hangout. The Hot Hedros Royal, say Virginia. hello,
1: by the way. I saw Catherine How Hedro are the and
2: Hedros.
1: Matt. They seem to be doing very well. And uh, of course, she does that purposeful lab podcast yes. with Dr. Dan Keebler, mm-hmm. which is all kind of cool sciencey stuff. Nice. Um, yes, all kinds of cool people down there.
2: I it was fun. There. I really wish we could have gone. If Will hadn't had to work on next Labor Day. Year. Yeah, so next year he won't have to work on Labor Day. We'll so do like hopefully. A,
1: Like a campsite next to one another or something. Oh,
2: that would be neat.
1: No need to broadcast from there. No. Can't get a signal anyway.
7: That'd be
2: hard.
1: Just so you know. (laughs) It's 21 minutes past the hour.
0: I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith and Dr. Joseph Selah will give us the news from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Alan Migliarata will share the Adventure Catholic Parenting Tip. I'll talk about the need to speak to people about Jesus Christ with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to
8: Christ the
9: King. Driving Home
10: the Faith. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a Mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at at cincinnatiatlegatus.org. That's cincinnatiatlegatus.org.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help
11: me, Honda
0: East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com.
12: On Saturday, September 9th, Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden, Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m. 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513-489-0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred
0: Espencheid Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky, Fred Espencheid, your pro-life plumber, 859-441-0950, 859-441-0950.
2: 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us. Hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks.
13: Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks.
2: I'm feeling good about the season. I know. So
13: far, so it was, it was slow. It was a slow
2: start, start but it's it always right. is, it seems. So, it
13: is. We play everything out. Exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll be all right.
2: Exactly. We're <laughs> feeling good. Well, that's not what we're going to be talking about today, right. but of course I had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. So... Marlon, you are in charge of the Department of Evangelization. So mm-hmm. why would you concern yourself with Catholic schools in your diocese? I mean, at least beyond the religion teachers.
13: Oh, gosh. You know, it, it, it very intimately intertwines every every particular Catholic school, every teacher, regardless of uh, of their discipline has an opportunity to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified. And so even in my role uh, and the way Bishop Fernandez has asked me and tasked me to uh, really uh, develop this department and, and reconstitute it in a way, is is to assist the teacher and to assist uh, the, uh, the Catholic educator in some way to see his or her role as invaluable to a student's opportunity to grow with our Lord. And so whether it be math, science, uh, history, you name it, AP, biology, um, there's always an opportunity for a child to enter into the presence of our Lord. And really, um, anything a child learns within the school concept, they also learn from the mannerisms of the teacher, excuse me. And so this becomes very important for us as teachers to realize that we just don't regurgitate information, mm-hmm. uh, but we're, we're establishing an opportunity for a child to see us as faithful, loving disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we don't, um, that really can have horrible consequences.
2: Yeah, Marlon, I think we've become rather fixated on this idea, particu- particularly um, since the Enlightenment, I think. That That faith kind of belongs in this religion box, and Mm -hmm. it should not infringe upon any of the other subjects. That's Mm -hmm. a problematic perspective, right?
13: Uh, It is a troubling one and a dangerous one. And really, even prior to the Age of Enlightenment, we've, we've seen this progression once Christendom became normative. Um, the, the unfortunate reality was, well, we don't necessarily have to defend it anymore. We just live it per se. Mm-hmm. And this became the devastating effect, uh, probably since after the fifth century. And we've seen this take on, uh, or be morphed into a, a very, uh, very dangerous ideology where, you know what, well, you can, you can be that, you can be that religious person, that religious guy there, but not here. Or I can live this this life of mine uh, in a certain way that that is appealing to me, but not be impeded by something that that God asks of me there, and so you, you see this interplay in Catholic schools. So it could be very dangerous, and really um, there is a disassociation with anything divine, and ultimately we become our own deistic selves, and, and that's how we view it in a very negative sense. Even though we're created in the image and likeness of God, and we're called to proclaim our our deistic um, a character, because we come from our Lord. But that's completely now separated. Now we, we don't even associate with him. And the consequences are a child or a student or a faculty and staff that um, really don't pray. Uh, they don't f- focus on Christ himself as the centerpiece of everything that they do. And really, w- w- why bother? I'm a good person. I don't need that religious affiliation to tell me that I can be good. And so that becomes really the theology or the doctrine that that seeps into a school situation?
2: Well, I think the fact of the matter is that it, it could just be hard for someone to to wrap his or her mind around how to do this mm-hmm. in practice. Um, I mean, even if they're not necessarily opposed to the idea the, mm-hmm. you know, like from a practical standpoint, Marlon, how can a Catholic worldview be incorporated into the subjects outside of religion class?
13: Okay, that's a great question. You know, there, there is a simplicity of baptism that we tend to forget that allows us to, to, to see good and avoid evil. And I think that's the practicality, first and foremost, is the fact that do you, do you see your fellow brother as, as a child of God? Is there an anthropology behind this? So practically speaking, shaking someone's hand, affirming their identity as, as, a, as a human being, affirming them as, as a child of God, uh, recognizing that, you know what, you can open a door for someone or saying, you know what, I want to pray for you this morning all right, may I? Um, is there something that's, that's really bothering you? Those initial entryways or practicalities of really bringing in our Lord into the atmosphere are really key. Having a prayer intention board outside your classroom, welcoming every student with eye focus and saying thank you for being here. Uh, even having the imagery within the classroom where it's not necessarily a classroom more, you're entering into another aspect of your journey. And that the teacher is really invoking that through a life of a saint, a sacred space, something that brings in the reality of God into the uh, the journey of faith in the classroom. Th- those simple things are key. And students relate to that. I, I-, I tell teachers all the time, but one of the things that students don't want to hear a teacher do is lie to them. Mm. Don't put on a false face, even though they will lie to us and they, say- they think that's perfectly fine. Don't lie to me. Give me some truth. And that's really where it starts.
2: Yeah. I really liked it you talked about you know starting class in prayer for instance like that would be a nice way for a math teacher to do that or incorporate some of the more mathematical saints and priests Mm -hmm. and absolutely you know who who have because that was the one that i was thinking like how do you bring jesus into the map into algebra you know like the one place where I really need Jesus actually is in algebra class. Me too. Not going to lie. Good stuff. Go read Marlon's post on this over at knowingisdoing.org. It's linked at sunrise morningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much and go Bucks.
13: Appreciate it, Annie. Go Bucks.
2: You can find all of our guests linked at SON Rise Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home yesterday. Before leaving Mongolia, the Pope inaugurated the House of Mercy in Ulaanbaatar. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more.
14: On the 4th of September, marking his final day in Ulaanbaatar, Pope Francis stood before a gathering of charitable organizations and volunteers, expressing his gratitude for their warm welcome, which included traditional Mongolian song and dance. Pope Francis stressed how the House of Mercy is a tangible expression of the Church's care for others. Describing the House of Mercy as a place where all are welcome, Pope Francis encouraged volunteers to step forward and embrace the ethos of selfless service. He then went on to reject the myth that only the wealthy can engage in volunteer work. Reality tells us the opposite, he says. It is not necessary to be wealthy to do good. Rather, almost always, it is people of modest means who choose to devote their time, skills and generosity to caring for others. The Holy Father also emphasized that charity should not become a business. Charity demands professionalism, but charitable works should not turn into business, he said. Rather, they should retain their freshness as works of charity, where those in need can find people ready to listen to them with compassion, regardless of whatever pay they may receive. In closing, Pope Francis thanked all those involved in charitable works and extended his blessings to them. He urged everyone in their charity to pray for him, too, and called upon the citizens of Mongolia to embrace volunteer work and foster a culture of compassion for the common good. I'm Francesca Mergu. While on the
2: flight back to Rome from Mongolia, the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens. While Mongolia borders China, Chinese bishops were not allowed to attend papal events. When asked about relations with China, the Holy Father said, quote, The relationship with China is very respectful. I personally have great admiration for the Chinese people. The channels are very open for the appointment of bishops. There is a commission that has been working with the Chinese government and the Vatican for a long time. There are many or rather there are some Catholic priests or Catholic intellectuals who are often invited to Chinese universities to offer courses, he said. I think we need to move forward in the religious aspect to understand each other better so that Chinese citizens do not think that the church does not accept their culture and values and that the church is dependent on another foreign power, end quote. In other news, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and south later in the week. Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. Brian Shook reports.
15: That's according to multiple reports which cite U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un had exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. I'm Brian Shook.
2: First Lady Jill Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. Her office confirmed the news yesterday, saying the 72-year-old is experiencing mild symptoms. She's expected to remain at their home in Delaware. Meantime, the White House says President Biden tested negative for the virus yesterday evening. He'll test, quote, at a regular cadence this week and monitor for symptoms. The president is scheduled to leave the U.S. on Thursday for the G20 summit in India before heading to Vietnam. And the damage done to Death Valley by Tropical Storm Hillary may take years to repair. That's the opinion of experts who are surveying the area after a year's worth of rain fell in just a matter, matter of hours. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Yes.
0: The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at
16: sacredheartradio.com. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com,
12: skpha.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Art Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Art Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428.
1: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in Miamisburg. Featuring beautiful custom rosaries and thoughtful Christ-centered gifts for weddings priestly ordinations, and any occasion. 937-530-8026.
2: It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Teresa of Calcutta, Tuesday, September the 5th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller-Nockelman, Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Got some storm possibilities today. Right now, it's kind of muggy with temperatures in the upper 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy skies today with some pop-up afternoon storms and hot, a high of 92 degrees. Partly cloudy and muggy tonight with an overnight low of 70. Partly cloudy with some spotty storms possible tomorrow and a high of 87. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny with a spotty shower or storm possible today, a high of 90 degrees, partly cloudy with a spotty shower or storm tonight, and an overnight low of 71, partly cloudy with a chance of showers and storms tomorrow, and a high near 86. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Connect with her. Invite her to speak through her site, DanielleBean.com. You can listen to her Girlfriends podcast through GoodCatholic.com and join the community at GirlfriendsCommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle good morning how are you i am doing great and excited to get to talk about mother teresa with you today i mean so much can be said about her love for the lord about her work for the poor i mean she's admired by catholics and non-catholics alike she got the nobel Mm -hmm. peace prize yeah and used her platform in that way to uphold the dignity of the human person from conception to natural death to uphold the dignity of the family I mean, Mm -hmm. all of this, such an encouragement to those of us who are trying to raise a family, don't you think?
17: (laughs) Absolutely. She's such a powerhouse, four foot tall, little powerhouse. I mean, there's just, I'm amazed by her. And she's been such a gift to us, sort of a a modern age saint, because, you know, I remember when she was living. And so what a beautiful gift to be able to pray to her in heaven now, especially in our motherhood.
2: Yeah. So what do we learn about motherhood from a woman who was a consecrated virgin?
17: Right. I mean, I think this is the, such a powerful example of the universality of the call to motherhood for women that, you know, we're all called to be mothers, as St. John Paul II taught us, but it, it expresses itself in So many different ways that are so beautiful and inspiring. And Mother Teresa's motherhood is such a powerful example of exactly that. She was a mother to so many souls. She was saving people on the streets of Calcutta. Every human person she met she loved with a motherly love. And there's such a powerful example for us in that. And then for those of us that are living out our call to motherhood in you know in our homes and in our families and raising children and in our marriages, we can pull so much from that because her daily life was so rigid and strict and difficult, purposely made difficult by her. I'll never forget that famous documentary that came out, About her life years ago. I watched it when I was a teenager with my parents. And when they they were building a home for her and the sisters, they were putting in a hot, you know, a water heater. And she was like, (laughs) I don't need that. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. You don't need you hot don't water. Need that? What are you saying, right? And that's just one tiny little example of the kind of life of sacrifice that she chose out of love for the Lord and wanting to love and serve others with that beautiful gift of her motherhood.
2: Well, You know, one of her most famous quotes is talking about doing small things with great love. I mean, mm. and it gets quoted so often that it's almost trite. I know. But, but if you sit back and think about it, especially in well not even think about it reflect upon it in our hearts hold it in our hearts as as mothers i mean this is this is what we are called to do on a daily basis so often i think we as mothers can kind of lament that we're not doing big great things all the time mm-hmm. and yet mother teresa points out to us very simply that it's those small things in in serving those small little people that we have at home, that that that's where it's at,
17: Danielle. Exactly. That's real, a real success, not by the world's standards, right? Like there's that other quote from her that, and and you know, it's so funny because I always hesitate to quote Mother Teresa because she's probably the most misquoted person on the internet, right? Like. (laughs) It's hard to find exactly what she said and how she said it. Um, But I think the, the, the crux of it is is holds true, right? Where she says that God doesn't call us to succeed. He calls us to be faithful. Mm -hmm. And that goes right along with what you said about doing small things with great love, because we, as as mothers can look at what goes on in the world and the kinds of things the world applauds and the kinds of accomplishments that, you know, you might get acclamation for. And yet, we're not called to that. That's not what God is calling us to do. He's calling on us to be faithful. It may or may not include some of those worldly accomplishments. And we're we're called to be faithful beginning first and foremost in our own homes, in our families, in our marriages, and with our children. And that's not something the world ever sees. It's not something you're ever going to get a standing ovation for. No one's going to hand you a big paycheck for it. And we're called to do it anyway, that God sees that kind of faithfulness. We're We're called to be faithful in that way, not successful in the eyes of the world.
2: I mean, she is someone that even though she had all of those accolades, what was she always, I mean, you hear so many stories of people who met her and and how much she encouraged them in their own particular vocation, to their family. What was it? Save the world. If you want to save the world, go home and love your family. Is that another one of those quotes that I don't know (laughs) if it's misquoted or not, but it's true.
17: It's helpful too, right? Because I've felt so convicted by those words before. Like, whoops, I'm not doing that part. I'm forgetting to go home and, and, you know, love my family right now. And that's the important work that we're called to do. Every one of us, not just mothers, but every person is called to, in their personal relationships, in in their homes, and in their families, and their marriages, to be loving the people that God has placed in their lives first and foremost. And that's how you save the world, is by raising up holy kids by, you know, nurturing a holy marriage, the, those are the people that are going to be building up the church and ultimately, quote unquote, saving the world, which Jesus has already saved, right? But we're here to do his work, and that is an important part of it.
2: Yeah, and you and I talk a lot about this from the perspective of, of being a woman, of being a wife or a mother, um, but that is so true, too. I I think even— how should I put this, that it's even more of a clarion call for our fathers to go home and love their families.
17: Oh, I hear that. I hear that. You know, our our culture encourages people. And even in some parts of the church, I see this encouragement of like fathers as just a, a paycheck, right? Like that's right. the most valuable thing you can do for your family and absolutely isn't true. And so, you know, go home and love your family. Find a way to love your family first and foremost. Of course, we all have to pay bills and earn a living and you got to figure out some way to do that. But never forgetting the priority that the people that God has given you to love and care for are meant to be in your life.
2: We've been talking to Danielle Bean and Danielle, if uh, listeners want to connect with you, where would you send them?
17: I would send them over to goodcatholic.com. We have lots of great plans in the works over there. But in the meantime, waiting for exciting things to come. Um, we've got uh, great live events that are going on. So you can go over, click on live events and find out what the latest is going to be.
2: All right. And that's where you also can find her girlfriend's podcast. Goodcatholic.com linked at com. Danielle, thanks so much.
18: Thank you. God bless
2: you. You too, Danielle. Thank you very much. And Matt, I know um, Mother Teresa, somebody that you were very well aware of. I mean, I I started off the conversation with Danielle that she was admired by by Catholics and non-Catholics alike. I remember um, driving. So there's like the the vineyard in Cincinnati, you know. Mm -hmm. And on the outside of that building is that quote about small things with great love from Mother Teresa on a vineyard building.
1: So I have a complicated Mother Teresa backstory that there's too much to get into.
2: I believe that. About here.
1: I knew some evangelicals who'd gone and worked with her missions Mm -hmm. as evangelicals. Hmm. Um, I also knew people who were like, yeah, Mother Teresa's kind of a weirdo. She thinks Mary should be added to the Trinity. <laughs> Mother Teresa was also kind of like um the uh I don't know, like you know, like you could call somebody a Mother Teresa if they were like a charitable person. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure I didn't have any like reality to attach Mother Teresa mm-hmm. to. I do remember a newsboy's song. I think the lyrics were by Steve Taylor, a lyrical hero of mine. And uh, the song was called Real Good Thing. I I can't remember. Actually, I can remember. Oh, wow. I can remember this off the top of my head. You should be really impressed. I
2: am really impressed. So the
1: the chorus of it is when we don't get what we deserve, it's a real good thing. When we do get what we deserve – I'm sorry. When we get what we don't deserve, it's a real good thing. So this idea of like works can do nothing Mm -hmm. to help you. And uh, the line in that song, it says – Sell the Volvo, shred the Visa, send the cash to Ma Teresa. But out here, the only catch is you don't get saved on merit badges.
2: I'm going to have to read those lines and think about them.
1: So the idea being like, yeah, you can get rid of all your stuff and give your money to Mother Teresa, but it doesn't like actually help you in the faith alone world.
2: Wow. So... Oh my gosh, I have so many questions based on that. We don't have, time. We don't have time for this. Yeah, you just like threw that out there and I can't respond.
1: Well, you asked me with Mother, what I thought I about know. as a president about Mother Teresa. Yeah, so, like, it's
2: fine. We got You start.
1: walked into that one, Anna Mitchell.
2: I'm sorry. Maybe we can discuss it more later. Maybe we'll so. Anyway, Dr. John Cutterback joins us
3: next. It's 13 Till.
0: Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
3: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs?
11: Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245.
1: It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
2: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
1: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student, all available in our online store.
2: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
19: EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off, anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN podcasts, they're waiting for you. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be
16: religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: Welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Cuddeback. He's a philosophy professor at Christendom College. You can take his man or woman of the household course at his site, life-craft.org. And I'd encourage you to read his blog there as well. Dr. Cuddeback, good morning.
6: Good morning, Annie.
2: So the season that is summer is going to end. Whether we like it or not, most usually consider Labor Day weekend as as summer's sort of last hurrah, right? And I know that you have written that you always find it hard to say goodbye to summer. Why is that?
6: Yeah, you know, it's just uh, in in the rhythm of life today. I think we tend to do seasons a little differently than the kind of uh, more traditional way of doing seasons. And for us, you know, summer is that time where we spend more time with our, with our family and get to do our kind of vacationing and traveling. And There's just so many things that are a, a real blessing that, uh, you know, that you kind of want to take with you. And, and so that's certainly, certainly part of it. And it's like, gosh, you know, it almost feels like a little bit more of a taste of, a little bit more of a taste to heaven and what things are going to be like when you don't have to worry about this and that. And <laughs> so it, it, it brings up the deeper, harder issues.
2: And you've got a post over at Lifecraft about ending summer intentionally. What does that mean?
6: Well, you know, I, I think it's a matter of something we need to be doing all the time, looking, looking for a natural plan, looking for things that are saying, hey, here's how God has set this up. And even if it seems hard at first, what, what, what's the gift to us? And sh- clearly part of the kind of natural plan gift to us is that there are these different seasons. And even if we're not living the seasons in the most natural kind of traditional way that people normally would have done seasons, there still is that important aspect of how can we take this as an opportunity from God to say this transition it might be hard, but it's something he's calling us to do. So let's just go ahead and ask the question, how to do this transition best? That's kind of what I mean by intentionally.
2: And so what is the role of gratitude in all of that, Dr. Cutterback?
6: Well,
16: you
2: know, I
6: I think gratitude is always something that the Lord is calling us to. Not in the sense that he's forcing it upon us, but of course it's it's so central to our relationship, Tim, because as St. John Paul II pointed out, it's all about gift, And and, and the first and most fundamental appropriate response to gift is gratitude. So it's always a great place to begin, especially when we're finding things hard well, let's look and see what actually can we be very grateful for here. Maybe as summer is, is ending up, that's a, a particularly fitting thing because there, there are so many things perhaps that we enjoy or gift, even if, even if it wasn't a perfect. So it's o- always great to begin with that as a kind of foundation for moving forward.
2: Well, I mean, if we have it all the time, we often lose our our thoughts of gratitude for it, right? We take it for granted.
6: Right. Right, that's a very good point. So, those kind of trend that brings out a nice aspect of somehow in God's plan, these transitions, these transitions are kind of brought upon us by the season. It, it helps us, I maybe mean, not absolutely makes us, but in case it encourages us to stop, take stop, take stock, look back with that gratitude, and then, of course, also start to plan and make resolutions for what comes next.
2: What sort of wisdom do we gain from the ancients about the changing of seasons and how we can apply that to our lives?
6: Well, you know, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the main thing there is simply what we've kind of already been saying of be attentive to this is actually something important in life. I, I love this quotation from Hesiod, the ancient Greek writer, who says, mortals find it hard to discover the divine plan in the change of seasons. Mm-hmm. So note, note what's kind of Im, Im, implied there. Again, there, there, there is a gift herein, but we're going to have to stop and kind of be intentional and find it. And there's so many things in Scripture, uh, too. I love the line in Ecclesiastes, you know, there's a, there's a time. There's a time for everything. These seasons are part of the gift, so we need to start to just kind of open our eyes to that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God certainly made the world this way with the changing of the seasons. And we see all over scripture how nature can give us insight into our lives. I mean, Dr. Cutterback, I have to say um, I am not quite like you in this, that I often spend my summer longing for the fall it's my favorite season i mean i love the temperature of the fall the wardrobe that i get to wear to match that temperature i love the colors of the season i love the flavors of the season i mean i even loved going back to school when i was in my school days so do you think the idea of having gratitude ahead of time um for the things that are to come could be part of of ending summer intentionally
6: that's great i, lo- I love it i, I, I absolutely because if, if nothing else the change brings out a kind of recognition of these different aspects of life and so you know whether it's looking forward with uh, this this great excitement which is itself a kind of then obviously is going to more easily elicit a gratitude or looking ahead with a little bit of uh you know anxiousness or gosh you know, here comes some hard work you know, me being an academic Okay, got to really kind of ramp up and get back to the work, which, which, is, also, which is also exciting. So that's why I also like to say these, another aspect that we haven't so much brought out is the opportunity to say, okay, how are we going to grow? What are we going to do new? I, I think this is as good a time as the new year to think in terms of resolutions. What, what, what are we going to do? Because many of us, even if not just academic, but many of us, of course, are associated with people who are going back to school. So it's just, it's a change of schedule, this change of various aspects of life. How are we going to maximize this? What are we going to do different? How are we going to open our hearts to, to some type of good growth here?
2: Speaking of good growth, I saw a video on your site that this is a good time of year to do a little bit of planting still, is that right?
6: You know it, it, I mean of course it depends on where you are but but most of us absolutely you can still you can still slip in and, and with great success uh, you know kind of some of those uh, quick fall greens a lot of lettuces especially for the ones that don't take quite so long you can do radishes again, so, I mean, I, I, I absolutely be thinking about one more shot in the garden.
2: Nice. Thank you so much, Dr. John Cutterback. He's got a little video over at his site, life-craft.org, on uh, how to plant the fall greens like lettuce and the like. Lifecraft is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got another coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio.
0: For more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the local airwaves with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on issues and events. And because of your participation, we've had the resources to share the ministry of our local clergy and produce the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. But even though you'll soon see the Sunrise Morning Show on video, our work to bring others to Christ has only begun. So please, tell everyone you know where locally they'll hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and on the Sacred Heart Radio app.
1: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply. A Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com.
12: On Saturday, September 9th, Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children. Please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden, Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m. 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513-489-0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort.
7: Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham, Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at Jesuitspiritualcenter.com, Jesuitspiritualcenter.com, that's Jesuitspiritualcenter.com, Jesuitspiritualcenter.com. com.
2: Hi, I'm Mara cagney Tipton with the
12: Cagney Family and Colwell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. The first annual Dominican
20: Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a Fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's
16: rosarypilgrimage.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio.
0: 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.
1: We continue on this Tuesday, the 5th of September. It is the Feast of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you created the heavens and the earth and all they contain. Reveal to all who seek you the beauty of your presence there. You dwell in light inaccessible. Deepen our hunger to know you, the one true God. You make manifest your redeeming love in word and sacrament. Make of us, your people, a credible sign of your presence and work. O God of light and glory, you are the beauty we seek, the power to whom we entrust ourselves, the love for whom we hunger and thirst. Make yourself known to all people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mother Teresa, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Tuesday morning. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Kimberly Beggs got a new book called Unbreakable. We'll talk to her about that. We'll check in with Father Philip LeRae. He is going to uh, dig into the World Day of Peace message, which has something to do with artificial intelligence. And Father Philip LeRae is a uh, sort of a church expert on such topics. Steve Ray will join us to talk about the seven sorrows of Mary, of course, uh, the month of September dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows, and then Chris McGregor will dive into the Office of Readings with us. Today, we go, get to uh, talk about Thomas Aquinas and some stuff from The Imitation of Christ. So quite the range of topics this morning. Right now, it is two minutes past... News of service of Central Fabricators and CentralFabricators dot com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
2: Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after spending a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani in the Basilica of Saint Mary Major. Upon his return home yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Deborah
3: Castellana-Luboff has more. He went there to offer his closeness to the small and lively community of Catholics, numbering less than 1,500 in the whole country. More than 90% of them live in the capital. It is such an intimate group that they were all more or less able to gather together at the events, including the first papal mass ever in the country, and even all together in one photo op with Pope Francis. Monday, the Pope's apostolic journey, marking his 43rd apostolic visit abroad and his 61st country visited as Pope, drew to an end. The final event of his visit to Mongolia was a stop at the House of Mercy, a church-run clinic for the poor and refuge for victims of domestic violence and homeless people. The Pope inaugurated and blessed the charitable work and expressed his gratitude to the Church of Mongolia for showing such great care and concern for people facing economic difficulty and marginalization. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Among the events over
2: the weekend in Mongolia, the Holy Father led an interfaith meeting, sharing the stage with representatives from a dozen other faiths. He said it's incumbent on religious leaders to choose fraternity over fundamentalism. He said, quote, We are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. We must not contradict them and thus become a cause of scandal, End quote. Those joining Pope Francis on stage included representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Mormonism, and Evangelicalism. Here in the United States, a heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were scorched over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower 90s today and The lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and south later in the week. In Washington, Congress is set to return today after its summer recess. Mark Mayfield has more.
4: There are a number of issues on the agenda, including a potential government shutdown looming in the coming weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could address his health situation this week after another freezing moment. Last week, the 81-year-old suddenly stopped speaking at a press event in Kentucky where an aide had to step in. A similar freeze moment also happened back in July. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: Too much screen time is being linked to developmental delays in young children. Trey Thomas reports.
21: That's according to a new study published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. Researchers looked at data from 7,000 kids and found that two or more hours of screen time increased the likelihood of developmental delays, especially in problem solving and communication. I'm Trey Thomas.
2: And the arm of St. Jude will leave Italy for the first time and be on display veneration in the U.S. beginning this weekend. The 100-city tour is called Apostle of the Impossible, the tour of the relics of St. Jude the Apostle. The first stop will be Saturday at St. John Cantius Church in Chicago. The tour was announced by the apostolate Treasures of the Church. How
1: cool. The arm of St. Jude. The
2: arm of St. Jude.
1: Wow. That's pretty wild. I know. Does it have the... How much of the arm? I don't know. Like, are we talking like forearm? Let me see. Or up to like upper arm?
2: I'm going to look up St. John Cantus in Chicago and see if they have or are we a talking like in
1: here. The ball and socket up through the shoulder. Major relic
2: of St. Jude. Too.
1: By the way, Jude...
2: Oh, it looks like... Um, you don't have
1: to carry the world upon those shoulders. It looks
2: like a bit of his forearm. It's in this interesting reliquary interesting. where it like looks like kind of a sleeve with um, a hand in... Like, his hand is formed in blessing, you know, the three fingers. Sure. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, so it that looks would like, be pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it looks like part of his forearm, like from his elbow up to his wrist, is the relic. Encased in what looks like a statue of an arm.
1: Well, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, might have to make a trip to Chicago of St. Jude.
2: Well, I'm trying to see if there's. Oh yeah, there is a website here, TreasuresOfTheChurch.com.
1: You got to put that on Facebook.
2: Okay, we'll see. I'm sure they have a some sort of you know listing of all of the different churches that will be.
1: On the St. Jude's arm tour.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. Well, today is Tuesday, September the 5th. Happy to have you along with us after a long weekend here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 8 past. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Kimberly Begg. She's got a new book from Tan Books, Unbreakable Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. First of all, can you just tell us what you set out to do in writing this book?
22: (laughs) I set out to help parents raise saints. Hmm. We are living in a time of great confusion in our world where even a lot of Catholics just don't know who they are and why they're made, that they were children of God meant to go out in the world and to live courageously for Christ. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of Catholics and even parents trying to find a way around the cross for themselves and the children. But this idea that our path to heaven can ever be free of suffering and sacrifice has no grounding in a sacred scripture or the traditions of the church. And one of the greatest traditions of the church is passing on the lives of the saints. So I sought to tell the stories of some of the most courageous, uh heroes of the church and the stories of those heroes who inspired them yeah
2: so you've got saint joan of arc who was inspired by saint michael the archangel saint margaret of antioch saint catherine of alexandria among others saint jose um jose sanchez del rio who was inspired by our lady of guadalupe and saint juan diego saint tarchesius i cannot wait to talk to you about that story someday Uh, Blessed Jersey Papalusko and uh, how he was inspired by St. Maximilian Kolbe and Cardinal Vizinski and and Pope John Paul II. And then I want to talk to you today about St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, because her feast day is September 5th. And I'm sure she was inspired by many saints, Kimberly, but the one whom you've chosen to highlight in the book is the inspiration of of St. Therese. How did Mother Teresa live the little way of St. Therese?
22: Well, um, in in so many different ways. You know, for one thing, like St. Therese of Lisieux, she made a vow to Christ to deny him nothing in the world. And so when she felt called, to leave the safety of her Loretto order. And she loved her work. She loved the sisters that she worked with. And to live among the poorest of the poor while serving the poorest of the poor, she knew that she could not say no. And then through her ministry and through her wonderful humanitarian work, which made her a celebrity out there in the world, she again felt called to minister to the poorest of the poor, whom she considered in our modern society, to be the poor, defenseless babies in their mother's womb, um, vulnerable to the evil of abortion. And she considered, by the way, not only just the babies in their mother's womb to be the poorest of the poor, but those nations and those individuals who supported the evil of abortion. So she spent the last decades of her life being a just a courageous, wonderful, beautiful advocate for life
2: yeah and she did it in such a beautiful way in in literally serving the poorest of the poor in in india and and inspiring you know hundreds of other women to to join the missionaries of charity that she founded in in helping those who were as pope francis likes to to talk about all the time on the literal margins Of society and and people often quote her um, even non-Catholics so inspired by this idea of small things with great love and of course that is straight out of the handbook of st. Therese isn't it
22: yes it is yes it is and they both recognize the reality of the spiritual world so Mother Teresa, you know, ministered to people and because of their, 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 their physical weaknesses. And she gave them food and drink and shelter and medicine. And at the same time, she ministered to them spiritually. And again, this was something that was so important to Saint Therese she actually has this beautiful comment in story of a soul where she says there are many souls on the brink of hell the time has never come when i could say now i will work for myself Mm -hmm. and you can just see this when time and time again Mother Teresa was given a platform, and she took that platform to say what she felt like the Western world needed to hear most, which is that there is a reality that is greater than what we can see, and that we need to be working for our own salvation and the salvation of, of, of the souls that occupy this earth with us.
2: Well, something that I learned from your book, Kimberly, you know, many listeners probably know that that written on a wall in every chapel of the missionaries of charity around the world are the words, I thirst, one of the words of, uh, or one of the last words of Christ on the cross. And this is actually a, a concept that was so important to St. Therese as well.
22: Yes, yes, it was. Um, and actually, I learned this during my research, too. You know, I think like a lot of us, I felt like I knew St. Therese of Lisieux and I felt like I knew Mother Teresa before writing this book. But, you know, reading story of a soul over and over and over again, the way, by the way, that I believe Mother Teresa did throughout her life, because you can just see so much evidence of St. Therese's spirituality in the way that Mother Teresa lived her life, I believe it is one of the greatest gifts that we have as Catholics to have these beautiful words. Yes, uh, St. Uh, Therese of Lisieux wanted to quench Christ's thirst, and this was a, a concept that um, she began thinking of actually very, very young, um, as early as when she received her very, her first Holy Communion, which she considered to be the greatest, happiest, most joyful day of her life.
2: Mm. There's a quote in the book that you have um, that St. That Therese says, From that day, the the cry of my dying Savior, I thirst, sounded incessantly in my heart and kindled therein a burning zeal hitherto unknown to me. My one desire was to give my beloved to drink. I felt myself consumed with thirst for souls, and I longed at any cost to snatch sinners from the everlasting flames of hell. Kimberly, what do you hope, you, you say that this is, is, is a book to help parents inspire their children to be saints. How do you hope that the stories of Mother Teresa and Saint Therese linked together can inspire our children?
22: I hope that parents will keep this um, as a part of their home library so that children can, can, can physically hold the book can flip through it, um, can reread some of the most inspiring parts of St. Therese's life, Of mother Teresa's life and then when they go out in the world you know be able to make those connections that they become so that these stories become a part of their imagination and they are as real as their own experiences in the world so that they can liken their own modern challenges to the challenges that these great Saints had in their lives and that it can inspire them to live courageously for Christ because we all need courage to live for Christ today
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kimberly Begg. You can find her book, Unbreakable, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. The upper Midwest has some severe thunderstorm potential today, particularly in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa, and western Wisconsin. Strong thunderstorms are also possible with the same cold front in the mid-Mississippi to lower Missouri valleys areas affected by the cold front this afternoon will initially feel hot with temperatures expected to climb into the 80s and low 90s and after the cold front comes through expect a dramatic cool down nice otherwise areas of high pressure will settle into the rest of the u.s. unseasonably hot temperatures will be the case once again in the mid-atlantic and northeast with some possibly breaking some monthly records dry weather will also be at play in the southeast with temperatures also climbing up into the 90s 17 past now on the sunrise morning show we're back with headlines right after this stay with us
0: Supporters from TBN, weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie, that's Route60.movie.
21: Are you looking for peace, longing for joy?
1: The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from.
2: And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy.
1: You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check
2: out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at SunriseMorningShow.com.
18: Teresa Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should
2: be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But, number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my
18: husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the Church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa
12: Tomeo, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: 19 past here's Anna with headlines
12: Pope Francis is
2: now back in Rome after spending his long weekend in Mongolia while on the flight back to Rome the Holy Father answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics to be good Christians and good citizens and a heat wave is expected to bring 100 degree temperatures to tens of millions this week
1: So, Anna Mitchell, I talked about my weekend at Appaloosa Fest. Yeah. Outside Front Royal. Mm -hmm. It was a good time.
2: Mm -hmm. Went to Mass
1: outside. Cool. It was pretty great. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get to hear about what you did.
2: I didn't really do anything. I hung out at my parents' house. It was
1: nice. I mean, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I mean...
1: Did you get sleep? Because I didn't.
2: No. Are you kidding me? Of course. Every day that I would have off, my children would wake me up. I mean... it. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, I got a little more sleep than I normally would. I mean, I mm-hmm. wake up at 3.45 in the morning. So, like, I sleep in until 6.30, and that's still almost three extra hours of sleep. So, yep. I don't know why I'm complaining. But I was hoping to sleep in until at least, until like,
1: like, eleven a.m. 8,
2: 9, 10, but, of course.
1: I was thinking about this over the weekend. You know, I know people. Like yourself, Anna Mitchell, who go to like the 11 a.m. mass on Sunday. Oh, I go to a
2: 1 o'clock mass. The noon
1: mass or like a 1 1 p.m.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm like, that's like a Monday vigil mass.
2: Anything (laughs) after
1: like 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Me, Sunday morning, I wake up 4.30 like I normally do, 4 o'clock, sometimes 3.45, depending on how my body's lined with my alarm. And I'm like, all right. We got any 5 a.m. masses
2: rolling nope. today? Not Let's me. go. Not me.
1: Start like this to day relax. a better way. It's 21 past.
0: Every hour of every day, there's over 50 minutes of solid Catholic teaching on Sacred Heart Radio. Whether we're discussing the Catholic perspective on current issues, reflecting on the heroic life of a saint, or spending an hour in prayer, every hour of every day, Sacred Heart Radio is broadcasting the good news of our salvation through Jesus Christ because of the generosity of listeners like you. Thank you. To join in this mission, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate.
11: Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com.
0: Supporters from TBN, weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land, is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at route60.movie. That's route60.movie.
1: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com.
0: Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at BridgetownFinderMeats.com.
1: Father Philip Lorray now joins us, and he is with Humanity 2.0. He joins us from Rome. Good morning, Father. How are you? Good morning, Matt. Doing great. So we talk all the time on this radio show about the family as the basic unit of civilization, the domestic church, all these kinds of things, and lament, you know, declining population rates in the developing world. But now there's a new AI app that is allowing people to see what their potential children could look like. And there, are, I guess you could say good and bad things about this. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> if you could share a little bit about it,
11: this new app is a uh, application of an AI which has been used in Facebook uh, for a couple of years now to keep somehow keep dead people alive. In the sense, it will take all of their digital information and then it will extrapolate that through the AI. And enable you to converse with a person who has passed away. Uh, it's also, I think, at the base of deep fakes. Deep fakes are uh, videos which are completely uh, unreal, but they look and and they uh, and they, they they hear as if it was the real person. Um, a couple of months ago, there was a. <clears throat> um, Artificial intelligence image of Pope Francis with a large parka coat uh, that that hit that became viral and a lot of people were looking. Of course, it was completely false, but it looked just like Pope Francis. So, what the application is doing is uh, taking information that you give it and extrapolating up, uh, upon that to give you what your future child may look like. And so, um, it's fake, but It has actually fooled a lot of people and uh, well, or fooled. I mean, they know that it's, they know it's not real, but it seems to be real. And there's even one uh, woman quoted in the article where she says she really wanted to be a mother after using the app. So, you know, I think there are good things to it. Uh, They're interacting in in, in intimate ways with human beings, uh, but we have to be careful because it's false, and so it's it could give us false expectations.
1: Right, and uh, this is one of those areas where the church is actually a few steps ahead and 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 having thought through some of these things and being able to to be a little bit more flexible in the conversation because we want people to not think of the idea of having children and just think about. Well, it's going to cost this much money, right? Or it's going to, you know, cause this many sleepless nights, or it's going to have this effect on my continuing education if I have children, all right? Or it might have this effect even on my, uh, my body, or, or or all these things that you know people tend to think about when they think about kids. You know, I know people who they see one kid acting up in a restaurant, and they're like, "That's why I'm never having kids." <laughs>
11: uh, but yeah, you. Also- I'll In the ahead. parish, I accompany a lot of uh, uh, young adults that become parents. And most Italians wait uh, longer than, than you would expect, and for many of the reasons you just gave. But not one couple has told me uh, uh, that we were glad we waited. All, when, they, when the baby arrives, they all say to me, why did we wait so long? This is the happiest thing that ever happened to us. Sure, it's a life changer. Uh, But the uh, what what they don't understand is the actual reality of a new baby and uh, especially fathers when they hold that baby in their arms for the first time. I mean, they just they lose it. It's and and so I I continue to try to motivate my couples to say, don't wait. You know, uh, having a child is going to be one of the most important things that you do for your family.
1: Well, I know people who say, we're going to wait till we have enough money to have a child. I'm like, you will never have enough money. No. <laughs> <laughs> you will never have it. It's not going to work. Uh, but the, the the flip side of this, I want to get into the, the ethical kind of minefield that, that this can bring us into is because family life and child rearing and child bearing is like a messy process. And you may be able to do this as a way of saying, oh, maybe I should think about having kids and holding someone who is like – you know, a little bit like me, but also their own person and all that. You know, the the mystery that entails. Uh, but this kind of, you know, you can see approaching this app with the wrong mentality and getting into kind of like a designer children mentality and saying, "I want a yeah. child that's beautiful. I want a child that's this." And and we know how often in the developing world, especially, or I'm sorry, in the in the you know kind of first world, as it were, people will you know, go and seek abortions for like the tiniest imperfections, uh, you know, that, that show up on an ultrasound. And so there's a real danger here as well, right?
11: Yeah. But again, Matt, you know me, I, I don't, I don't blame the technology. I, I, I right. think there are other issues at, at heart, uh, but we've been struggling with the concept of de- designer babies uh, for a long time since um, the advent of IVF, right? And, and, and so we we have, you know, and, and Cardinal Ratzinger wrote that, uh, great, uh, I don't know what to call it, it, it a magisterium document called Donum Vitae, uh, in, in 1990, where he talks about a lot of these technologies and that's still, even though it's was well, 30 years ago, it's still a valid document today in terms of the theology behind it. So we, we have to accept the, uh, the children that God gives us, you know, um, uh, and, and I think that there as the technology gets better, there is going to be the temptation of, of you know designing exactly how we want our children. Uh, but we need to have faith in God and and in, and in nature, so to speak, and accept the gifts that uh, He gives us.
1: Well thanks so much, Father Philip LeRae. and you can find him at sunrisemorningshow.com on our guest list guest list, by the way, mostly just means the guests that we have on the air. You're on the guest list in terms of, like, being part of the part of the scene this morning. But if you want to get the email that goes out every morning, first thing that has the list of who's going to be on the show, usually has an opening prayer as well. Sometimes it has recipes from Rita Heikenfeld. Who knows what's going to be in that thing? Well, you will know what's going to be in that thing if you go to sunrisemorningshow.com and enter your email address. We'd love to keep in touch with you that way, and then you can wake up and, and figure out... Uh, who are you going to hear that morning? Sunrisemorningshow.com, enter your email. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news.
2: Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after a long weekend in Mongolia. The Holy Father paid his customary visit to pray before the icon of the Salus Populi Romani in Thanksgiving for the trip at the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return. Before leaving Mongolia, the Holy Father inaugurated the House of Mercy in Ulaanbaatar. From
14: Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. On the 4th of September, marking his final day in Ulaanbaatar, Pope Francis stood before a gathering of charitable organizations and volunteers, expressing his gratitude for their warm welcome, which included traditional Mongolian song and dance. Pope Francis stressed how the House of Mercy is a tangible expression of the Church's care for others. Describing the House of Mercy as a place where all are welcome, Pope Francis encouraged volunteers to step forward and embrace the ethos of selfless service. He then went on to reject the myth that only the wealthy can engage in volunteer work. Reality tells us the opposite, he says. It is not necessary to be wealthy to do good. Rather, almost always, it is people of modest means who choose to devote their time, skills and generosity to caring for others. The Holy Father also emphasized that charity should not become a business. Charity demands professionalism, but charitable works should not turn into business, he said. Rather, they should retain their freshness as works of charity, where those in need can find people ready to listen to them with compassion, regardless of whatever pay they may receive. In closing, Pope Francis thanked all those involved in charitable works and extended his blessings to them. He urged everyone in their charity to pray for him, too, and called upon the citizens of mongolia to embrace volunteer work and foster a culture of compassion for the common good
2: i'm francesca Merlu. while on the flight back to rome from mongolia the pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to chinese catholics this weekend to be good christians and good citizens while mongolia borders china chinese bishops were not allowed to attend papal events when asked about relations with china the holy father said quote The relationship with China is very respectful. I personally have great admiration for the Chinese people. The channels are very open for the appointment of bishops. There is a commission that has been working with the Chinese government and the Vatican for a long time. He said, then there are many or rather there are some Catholic priests or Catholic intellectuals who are often invited to Chinese universities to offer courses. I think we need to move forward, he said, in the religious aspect to understand each other better and so the Chinese citizens do not think that the church does not accept their culture and values and that the church is dependent on another foreign power, end quote. Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. Brian Shook reports.
15: That's according to multiple reports which cite U.S. and Allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un had exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. I'm Brian Shook.
2: A heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s today in places like Philadelphia, Washington, New York City, and Chicago. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the southern plains and the south later this week. The wildfire that ravaged Maui, devastating the historic town of Lahaina and killing at least 115 people, is fully contained after nearly a month. The final total is an estimated 2,170 acres of land burned. As of Friday, 385 people remained unaccounted for. Officials say a new list of the missing will be released every Friday. And about 30,000 people are believed to still be at the Burning Man Festival in the Nevada desert. Traffic finally started to pour out of the event after heavy rains flooded the area, turning it into a mud pit and leaving thousands trapped at the essentially pagan festival over the holiday weekend. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
0: Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740.
16: And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. SKPHA.com.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. and hoting.com.
12: Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org.
2: It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Teresa of Calcutta, Tuesday, September the 5th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by schneller Knockelman, Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Got some storm possibilities today. Right now, it's kind of muggy with temperatures in the upper 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, partly cloudy skies today with some pop-up afternoon storms and hot, a high of 92 degrees Partly cloudy and muggy tonight with an overnight low of 70. Partly cloudy with some spotty storms possible tomorrow and a high of 87. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, partly sunny with a spotty shower or storm possible today. A high of 90 degrees. Partly cloudy with a spotty shower or storm tonight and an overnight low of 71. Partly cloudy with a chance of showers and storms tomorrow and a high near 86. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio.
1: Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. And September is the month of Our Lady of Sorrows. And some people might say, well, that's another one of those weird Catholic devotions that comes from outside the Bible. Actually, this one, the whole thing comes from the Bible, Steve, doesn't it?
23: It certainly does. And I, I didn't want this morning to talk about the devotion itself, but about the seven sorrows that make up the devotion and all of them are very biblical. And um, three of them, the first three deal with the beginning of Jesus's life, his infancy up to 12 years old, and the last four deal with the last few days of his life and his crucifixion and burial. So yes, it, it's, um, these are very biblical. It's a wonderful devotion. Because you often think that if you're going to live live for Christ and you're going to follow God, life is going to be full of joy and happiness. Oh, my goodness, everything is going to be wonderful. But it also comes with sorrows. So just real quickly, there are seven traditional sorrows. But over the next three weeks after this, we're going to cover what I call the 12 unknown sorrows of mary which i've come up with just in reading scripture and meditating on it and walking through the land of israel where they lived where mary lived i've come up with 12 unknown sorrows of mary and um, people find them very interesting so we'll cover those over the next three weeks
1: during well i'm glad that you you brought up those ideas of the hidden sorrows of mary uh, because the ones that we'll see are pretty obvious and actually a fair amount of our listeners can probably relate to them on some level at an, uh, or another, even if they haven't experienced exactly the same sorts of things. But you know, the, the idea of the hidden sorrows, I'm sure that Janet has kids who have caused her more than seven heartaches. <laughs> you know, every parent can sort of relate to that, those hidden things. But, but which ones do we find in Scripture?
23: Well, the first one here is called, it's the prophecy of Simeon. And wrapped up in that also is the circumcision because this is the beginning of of the life of Christ. So here we see Mary. Imagine the 15-year-old girl. She's just a young girl with this pudgy little baby. That's her brand new baby she's so proud of, and she and she knows it's a special baby. And she goes to the temple to present Jesus to the temple according to the law on the 40th day. On 40, the 40th day, she had to take him to the temple to present him. And this old wizened prophet comes up. Just imagine a white beard wagging as he comes up. And he says, behold, this child is set for the fall." rising of many in Israel and a sword will pierce your soul also hmm. yeah, what in that's... the world is that yeah. here's a 15 year old girl out, that... right
1: you know but yeah we find out that, that moment that, before that... it's all unfolded
23: Exactly. Now, one of the things is a lot of people think Mary knew everything because she's the mother of God and she's the Blessed Virgin, but she didn't know. It says she pondered these things, she meditated them on her heart. She she didn't know what that meant. I don't think she had any clue what that meant, and but she found out later at the cross, and that's where the sword of piercing saw, and at the top of Calvary, and I'll be there next week because we're going for the month of of all the month of September will be in Israel, but. There's a a statue of Mary up at Calvary. with, She just has a haunting face behind glass, and there's a big sword going right into her chest. So that's the first sin. Uh, Also wrapped in there, though, is the circumcision of Christ because that's the first time that Jesus shed his blood for us. People don't think about that, but that's a painful operation. It's the first time he shed his blood for us, and it was ominous in a way, both of these things, the circumcision coming that there's going to be more blood shed later and Mary hearing this prophecy. So that's number one. The second one is the flight into Egypt, and people go, well, you know, they just jumped a bus and went to Egypt, but that's not the case. The angel of the Lord said, quick, quick, Joseph, get up. Take the family and flee to Egypt for Herod's trying to kill the child. First of all, you'd think, well, this is this is God's son. He's going to take care of him. There's not going to be any dangers. Oh, yes, even in the middle of the night. Go, quick, quick. Herod's going to kill the child, destroy him. And that, how far did they go to Egypt? Well, I've done that many times, driven from Israel to Egypt and back. And it's about 250 miles if you go along the water, the Mediterranean, but you can't drink that water. It's salty water. So if you, the average that you traveled in a day back then was 20 miles in a day. They would have had to join a caravan for safety and for supplies and so on. That would have been a 10 days minimum from sunup to sundown, trekking through that wilderness. So that was definitely one of the sorrows of Mary, leaving home, leaving her homeland and going to visit. They were Jews. They weren't in exile. They weren't uh, immigrants or anything. These were, This was part of the Roman Empire and there was Jewish community there, but it was still a sorrow for Mary to have to do that.
1: You know, And it's one of those things that you know, I think of this the holy family in this sorrow all the time with families displaced by war and crushing poverty and yeah. famine, even to the present day. And, you know, even in our own country, I think back to some of my own ancestors from Appalachia who heard that there were jobs up in Detroit, right? And so they left everything. And yeah. then jobs went away in Detroit and they went back yeah to the other you know, back to Appalachia. So I mean, this is something that I think again so many families can 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 relate to. Yep. Um, exactly. How about the third sorrow?
23: well the third sorrow is losing Jesus the loss of Jesus in the temple so we see this as a sorrow of Mary but in the in the Rosary we find it as one of the joyful mysteries when they finally find him again so this is the interesting thing that many of Mary's sorrows are also her joys and some of her joys are also her sorrows as we'll see when we go through the next few weeks but the loss of the of the child Jesus see they traveled in a caravan and And it says that they were going and came together in the evening and when Mary and Joseph came together, which means that the men and women, they travel separately in groups. And in the evening, the men and the husbands and wives would come back together. And Joseph said, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. Mary says, no, I thought he was with you. Oh, my goodness, we've lost the son of God. And they have to turn around and go back and look for him without any clue. And here's one of the indications of what Mary did and did not know. She said, we've been, why were, he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I'd be here? But his mother said, son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And they did not understand Jesus's response but she spoke, she kept these things in her heart. So can you imagine we have even a grandchild, if you are in a grocery store and you can't spot that grandchild for two minutes, it's a terrifying feeling, especially the way the world is today. And can you imagine they're a whole day gone and they realize Jesus, their 12 year old son is not in the crowd. That would be a great sorrow and anxiety in that case as well.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, of all the sorrows of Mary, that's the one I think every parent can absolutely relate to, of turning around and being like, uh-oh, where'd it go? Where where did my child go? All right, And then you just sort of extrapolate that through. Now, the last four sorrows of Mary, it may be tempting for people to just kind of group as one big sorrow, but uh, when they're really stretched out um, the way that this devotion stretches them out and makes us sort of focus on each one individually – I mean you really do sort of feel kind of a unique sorrow in each one of them but uh, if you could kind of uh you know summarize. Sort of put them all together and summarize them yeah
23: yes this is the whole passion this this takes place here in in one day and so Mary, that one day there's packed in four sorrows. She meets him on the road to Calvary. Now the Bible never says that she specifically met him on the road to Calvary, but Luke 23:27, following him was a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning him and lamenting him. Don't think that Mary wasn't there because when she, when the cross is actually he's on the cross, Mary is there. She had to get there. She, these were women from Galilee mostly, and so Mary would have been with these women from Galilee who she was already friends with, and so. On. And so can you imagine following Jesus through the streets with people uh, yelling and chanting and throwing tomatoes at him, so to speak? And um, he's she knows what's going to happen because crucifixion was something that happened every day in Jerusalem and in Rome. The fifth sorrow then is she sees him at the cross, and we know from John nineteen twenty-five that she was standing at the foot of the cross with with uh, John. And Jesus looks down and knowing that Mary has no other sons. Gives her into the hands of John to be his, uh, to, so she would be his mother and John would be her son, in a sense, a substitute son to take care of his mother. So on the cross, Jesus is concerned for the welfare of his mother. But can you imagine Mary witnessing him? He's totally naked on the cross, just be stripped naked, abused, insults, total. And she knows his innocence. She knows the crime that this actually is. And there's a saying that there's no sorrow more than to see your child die before you do. And yeah. here she watches her son be tortured and killed. Um, and then the sixth one, where we get it real quick, is the piercing of the side of Jesus. And then Mary receives him and he comes down and Mary's there. You know, don't think she wouldn't have embraced him when his body came down from the cross. and this. And then the seventh sorrow is she sees his body getting already cold and damp and it's a corpse. And she watches them place him into the tomb and seal the tomb. Now, does Mary know everything that's going to happen? I don't know. It doesn't say. We know that Mary did not know a lot of things that were going to happen. Whether she knew this or not, I don't know. I think Mary knew probably or had uh, indications of what was going to happen. But to watch her son be placed into that cold tomb in the stone, that had to be a moment of great sorrow.
1: Well, there are a lot of people that knew sort of in the abstract general sense what was going to happen because jesus told them but what that actually meant everybody was about to find out a couple of days yes later. exactly so, well steve i look forward to uh, discussing the hidden sorrows of mary the unknown sorrows of mary but we've got catholicconvert.com linked at sunrise com. encourage our people to go over there and say hello to you have a wonderful day
23: thanks matt same to you
1: all right thomas Aquinas is coming up next well actually not thomas chris mcgregor is going to talk about thomas Aquinas. Coming up after the break, it's 13 till.
22: Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian prayer series can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachmeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's Lord and click on Digital Training.
20: For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org.
1: Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming.
2: And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
1: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com.
2: That's sonrisemorningshow.com.
1: St. Augustine gives us tremendous insight as to why we should pray. He says
7: this, Why God should ask us to pray when he knows what we need even before we ask him may perplex us if we do not realize that our Lord and God does not want to know what we want, for as God, he cannot fail to already know it. But rather, he wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us
16: spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: It's 10 till joining us now on the sunrise morning show is chris mcgregor from discerninghearts.com good morning chris good morning Anna. how are you today i am doing just fine always happy to talk to you and our selection this week from the office of readings is for tuesday of the 22nd week in ordinary time taken from the imitation of christ by thomas akempis not uh super often that we hear from non-saints in the Office of Readings. But this is a rather important work that we have in the church, is it not?
18: Oh, my goodness. The Imitation of Christ is probably after the Bible and uh, probably is almost tied with Introduction to the Devout Life by Francis de Sales as one of the most often read Uh, great christian devotional books uh, in christendom Uh, throughout the world actually because it uh, originally written in the 1400s it had such profound thoughts such profound instruction that it would be handwritten out and and made sure passages were read in monasteries and everything else until the printing press and then it just exploded So it's a very important work, and even the church today in the Office of Readings feels it's something that needs to be reflected on.
2: Yeah, so let's dive into this part of his work that that we read in the Office of Readings. Uh, Give us an overview of this
18: passage. Well, one thing that we have to remember about the imitation of Christ, because when you read this, this sounds really um, strange. crushing in some ways I (laughs) i think i wrote to you in an email like wow this is quite a passage it is and you know as odd as it may sound it is on this the feast of saint Teresa of calcutta this is actually kind of apropos in a way because when you read this section it's in the imitation of christ it's divided into a couple different sections within the book where one is the perspective of the soul Mm. the other is the perspective of Christ responding to what the soul is saying all right so in this particular passage the soul is saying and and, well I'll just read it you thunder your judgments upon me O Lord you shake all my bones with fear and dread and my soul becomes severely frightened I'm bewildered when I realize that even the heavens are not pure in your sight so when he and he goes on to talk about when the angels uh, when you discovered the iniquity of the angels and did not spare them what will become of me they fell from the, the heavens Okay, now that's the soul from its perspective, seeing things. And yet we know that with the angels falling from heaven, it was ultimately because of pride. Hmm. It was a spiritual pride where they said, we will not serve. We're the, The great God of love who wants to share his creation now with man. And they said, we will not serve that. And they turned their back on the Lord. They turned their back on God. And so this this whole section ultimately is about the awareness of the soul, and you know that I am nothing, I am so little compared to God, because the thing that bolsters us up and gets in the way, what Thomas Aquinas is trying to really break open here, is the what happens with our pride, and it's like, hey, soul, wake up, you are not. So grand, so glorious mm-hmm. as God is. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does.
2: And I was hoping you could address this—the difference between Thomas Aquinas's view of our our soul, like our littleness—as as you were just saying. I mean, he says, "What is all flesh in your sight? Can the clay be glorified in opposition to its maker? How can anyone be stirred by empty talk if his heart is subject in the truth to God?" I mean, what what a has here and i'm hoping you can expand on this is is true humility as opposed to uh sort of the protestant perspective on the human soul as
18: being like inherently depraved well doesn't it all go back like, i am the hand of the lord be it done unto me yeah. you know only your will father i mean what he's what he's saying here is that if a man I would just go on if a man is subject to truth possession of the whole world cannot swell him with pride
9: mm-hmm.
18: nor will he be swayed by the flattery of his admirers if he has established all his trust in God you have to become completely empty and realize like Mother Teresa that I'm nothing you know some people would say that oh she what's wrong with her psychologically she's saying she's nothing of course you're something No, she would say I am nothing I am if I'm anything it's a vessel for Christ I'm a vessel for the Lord to do his will and that's what you know in this closing passage he says for those who do nothing but talk amount to nothing they fail with their din of words but the truth of the Lord endures forever that truth that truth that of God's presence in us and how we are called to go out in the world and how he animates us we actually become more we become he lifts us up because we're willing to we get out of the way our pride and all that stuff right what
2: is it galatians i'm not going to remember the chapter and verse but you know i i no longer live but christ who lives in me this is exactly what what we're getting at
18: here absolutely 220 thank you chapter 2 verse i knew i could count on you
2: galatians (laughs) two twenty.
18: (laughs) 20. hey you knew it that's the most important thing
2: (laughs) oh man one of these days though i'll have it all right there in my head but oh you got it in your
18: heart honey you know
2: that that the head as long as it's in your heart (sighs) that's what matters you are so kind we've been talking to chris mcgregor and uh go read this passage in the office of readings and go check out her site discerning hearts Dot com. You can find it linked at sunrise sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. Pray for
18: us. Pray for us.
2: Amen. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow at EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
12: In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
21: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591.
24: Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. 513-319-7312.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espencheid Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky, Fred Espencheid, your pro-life plumber. 859 441 859 Working to see the culture
25: of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life on online at daytonlife.org. That's daytonlife.org.
20: The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th, at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org.
1: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries, including custom made, one of a kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at St. Michael's Custom That's St. Michael's Custom
16: this is Deacon
20: Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio.
0: 740 WNOP Newport,
20: 910 WPFB Middletown, or get
0: the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com.
1: continue on this Tuesday, the 5th of September, by praying a prayer that was one of Mother Teresa's favorites. Uh, It's a John Henry Newman prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with... May feel your presence in my soul? Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Stay with me, and then I shall be uh, begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you the way you love best, by shining on those around me, Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by my example, by the catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. Amen. On this, her feast, Mother Teresa, pray for us, and St. John Henry Newman, pray for us. The catching force of the sympathetic influence of what I do, I could do a lot better at that than I am doing right now. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman has sports. We'll talk to Kevin Schmeezing, get a look at this week in Catholic history with him. Dr. Jared Stout, we'll talk about the Reformation and the Eucharist. We've been doing a series of discussions with him on the Eucharist uh, in the context of the Eucharistic revival. Father Philip Michael Tangora along also. And we'll talk to Dr. Andrew Swafford, who has been going through a Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, a recent resource put out. By Ascension Press. Today we are in the book of Second Samuel, and you talk about an action-packed book of the Bible. Second Samuel is packed with action. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. <music>
2: Good morning. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after spending a long weekend in Mongolia. He paid his customary visit to pray in Thanksgiving before the icon of Our Lady, the Salus Papali Romani, in the Basilica of St. Mary Major, upon his return home to Rome. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellana-Lubov has more.
3: He went there to offer his closeness to the small and lively community of Catholics, numbering less than 1,500 in the whole country. More than 90% of them live in the capital. It is such an intimate group that they were all more or less able to gather together at the events, including the first papal mass ever in the country, and even all together in one photo op with Pope Francis. Monday, the Pope's apostolic journey, marking his 43rd apostolic visit abroad and his 61st country visited as Pope, drew to an end. The final event of his visit to Mongolia was a stop at the House of Mercy, a church-run clinic for the poor and refuge for victims of domestic violence and homeless people. The Pope inaugurated and blessed the charitable work and expressed his gratitude to the Church of Mongolia for showing such great care and concern for people facing economic difficulty and marginalization. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov.
2: Before leaving Mongolia, Pope Francis met with religious leaders of all different Faiths leading an interfaith meeting on Sunday in Ulaanbaatar. He was sharing the stage with representatives from a dozen other faiths. He said, "It's incumbent on religious leaders to choose fraternity over fundamentalism." He said, quote, "We are called to testify to the teachings we profess by the way we act. We must not contradict them, and thus become a cause of scandal." End quote. Those joining the Pope. On stage included representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Shintoism, Mormonism, and Evangelicalism. Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un this month. Brian Shook reports.
15: That's according to multiple reports which cite U.S. and allied officials. According to the officials, the leaders will meet on the east coast of Russia to discuss the possibility of North Korea providing weapons for Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Last week, the White House said Putin and Kim Jong-un had exchanged letters and arms negotiations between the two countries were advancing. I'm Brian Shook.
2: A heat wave is expected to bring 100-degree temperatures to tens of millions of people this week. The eastern and central U.S. were sizzled over the holiday weekend, with some cities seeing record highs. It's likely to be between the lower and high 90s in places like Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and Chicago, as well as here locally in the Cincinnati-Dayton area. Forecasters say the heat will ease in the Midwest by tomorrow and move into the Southern Plains and the South later in this week. Too much screen time is being linked to developmental delays in young children. Trey Thomas has more.
21: That's according to a new study published in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. Researchers looked at data from 7,000 kids and found that two or more hours of screen time increased the likelihood of developmental delays, especially in problem-solving and communication. I'm Trey Thomas. 8.06
2: now on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics Sports medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul lockman
24: Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. How about them, Cincinnati Reds? They claimed the uh, series opener against the Mariners yesterday, six to three from Great American Ballpark. Lucas Sims earned the win after uh, earning one out in relief. Ian Gabo picked up his second save of the season. Spencer Steer blasted a three run homer. For the Reds, who uh, sit right there in the thick of things in the wild card, um, right now outside looking in with um, a tie, kind of they they have uh, the other teams have a game in hand, so mm. but the winning percentage is right there. So uh, Reds continue to play one of the better teams in baseball. Uh, uh, Seattle tonight sending Connor Phillips to the mound, rookie for Cincinnati. Of course, everybody on the team feels like a rookie. How about this? Uh, Former elder grad Kyle Rudolph, he's announcing his retirement from the NFL on Monday. Rudolph played predominantly with the Minnesota Vikings from 2011 to 2020 before spending a season, each with the New York Giants and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 33-year-old was selected to the Pro Bowl twice, once back in 2012, the other in uh, 2017. Caught 482 passes, 4,773 yards, 50 touchdowns. During his career, Rudolph says he plans on pursuing a career in sports media. I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him. Uh, so uh, congratulations on a awesome career. Wow. From uh, Elder, I believe, I'm not sure if he's the same great as me. I, You know, I know whenever I hear Elder ads on Friday, they always say class of this or that. I'm not sure if he's a what class. What were you I class of? I was a class of 08, so I think he might have been class of 07 or 08. I got to double check my numbers. I did not see him play a, um, what would you call it, a football game in high school. I did see him play a basketball game. Oh,
2: interesting. He was a force. Against, you went to Colerain. I went
24: to Colerain, but I did not see him play Colerain. I saw him play LaSalle. I had a lot of friends out. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, so pretty neat. And Hmm. again, Congratulations! Congratulations on an to him. Awesome career, and I uh, wish him the best yeah. in uh, in the next uh, venture of. I mean, he you know.
2: If he wants to come call the elder games, so I'm sure they I'm wouldn't sure, be I'm sure opposed the, to that career in sports media.
24: I'm sure the prep sport the guys over at the prep sports radio <laughs> network can uh, <laughs> finagle a way to just get him in there. Kind of like a get bit.
2: him over yeah. there for some color commentary here and there, and you know.
24: At any at Sure, any point. they wouldn't
2: mind him to you know give a few tips here and there to the guys on the team for the
24: for the students you know mm-hmm. help the students because uh, mm-hmm. you know they're they're doing their part too so uh, yeah. they're they're doing their little video jobs and uh, making sure that they get the highlights. And oh the no, fi- I, and meant the the, I meant the I at the
2: football players. Oh yeah, wouldn't mind talking to him. Oh,
24: definitely. That's and El- and of course, Elder First Class. Uh, they wonder they if he'll come back
2: to Cincinnati. Back.
24: Yeah, I don't know. We'd love All it. All
2: kinds of questions on the future of Kyle Rudolph.
24: Yeah. And uh, a fun uh, fun thing to talk about on a Tuesday. Let's Absolutely. get to uh traffic now. Traffic a service of Rose Automotive pre end vehicles on Erie Highway. Anna Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Hopefully, you got more good news, Anna.
2: Not quite as fun to talk about traffic. Uh, northbound 7175, you're going to be on the brakes from Lawrence, y'all, up to the cut in the hill. Also slowing on the interloop of 275 as you approach the airport. Northbound 471, slow from 275 up to the river. On the Ohio side, Eastbound 74, mostly heavy from North Bend into the 75 interchange. You'll be slowing from there up toward the Norwood lateral. Southbound 75 is heavy from just before Union Center Boulevard down toward 275 and then slowing down again as you head through the Lachlan split. Southbound 71, off and on heavy and slow from Kings Island all the way down To the Norwood lateral, looks like there's an accident on the shoulder at Mason-Montgomery that isn't helping matters. Outer loop of 275 toward the top of the loop. You're going to be slowing westbound from Ward's Corner up towards 71. And then in the Dayton area, there's an accident on northbound 75 just before Vandalia. So it's pretty far north, but the backup is back toward Benchwood. So keep that in mind if you're headed further north out of the... uh, Is that called the Dayton Loop? I don't know. It's not really a full loop, 675. It's like, I don't know. Anyway, somebody can tell me if there's some lingo I need to know for Dayton traffic. Anyway, weather, hot, as I was saying in the news. The heat wave continues here locally. So Cincinnati, partly cloudy today. Some pop-up afternoon storms possible with a high of 92 degrees. Partly cloudy and muggy tonight with an overnight low of seventy. Partly cloudy with some spotty storms tomorrow and a high of 87. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, partly sunny with a spotty shower or storm possible, high of 90. Partly cloudy with a shower or storm possible tonight and an overnight low of 71. Partly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms tomorrow and a high near 86. Today is Tuesday, September the 5th, the Feast of St. Teresa of Calcutta better known as Mother Teresa, pray for us. Twelve minutes past the hour now. It's time for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history, and our Catholic historian Kevin Schmuzing joining us. He's author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History and co-host of the Catholic History Trek podcast. Good morning, Kevin.
25: Good morning, Anna.
2: So today we are starting in the year 1651 and the story of a priest hiding a king.
25: Yes, this was a Catholic priest who had a role in saving the life of an English king, as you say, back in 1651. The context of this is the complicated political-religious environment of post-Reformation England, and we've talked about that in this segment uh, many times in the past, various elements of it. Stephanie Mann and other guests on the Sunrise Morning Mm -hmm. Show have done the same. To summarize briefly, with the reign of Elizabeth I, who died in 1603, England became definitively Protestant, The Church of England was the established state church and Catholicism was in essence outlawed. That continued under his successor, James I, but his successor, Charles I, was more lenient. He's the one who granted the charter to Cecil Calvert for the colony of Maryland, for example. Charles was overthrown and executed in the English Civil War. This was the strife between cavaliers or royalists on one side and roundheads or parliamentarians on the other. It brought Oliver Cromwell to power. Catholics by and large took the royalist side during those civil wars, and in the course of the war, Charles I's son, also named Charles, suffered a defeat in the summer of 1651 at the Battle of Worcester. Charles was in grave danger of capture, or worse, so he sought refuge in the home of a nearby Catholic family, the Whitgreaves. Their manor house, known as Mosley Old Hall, was the residence of another covert guest at the time, the priest, John Huddleston. Like other Catholic houses of the era, <clears throat> Mosley Old Hall featured a priest hall, which could hide a king as well as a priest. So on September 9th, this week in 1651, Charles climbed into the trap door beneath a cupboard and waited there while enemy soldiers approached the house. Charles managed to escape to France. Following the death of Cromwell, he came back in the Stuart Restoration of 1660. He reigned as Charles II until his death in 1685. Father Huddleston, meanwhile, had joined the Benedictine Order, and after the Restoration, he was appointed chaplain to the Queen. When Charles was on his deathbed, Huddleston attended him and received him into the Catholic Church. Father John Huddleston lived another 13 years, dying at the age of 90 in 1698. He had hid the king this week in 1651.
2: What a story. That is incredible. Wow. This week in 1651, Father John Huddleston, what a man. All right, well, let's move on then to uh, the 1800s now and uh, the entrance into religious life of a prison chaplain whose name I'm going to let you pronounce, Kevin.
25: <laughs> <laughs> this is another good one, Anna. Father Henry Kay was his name. And I have to give a quick tip of the hat to my friends at the American Catholic History Podcast because I didn't know anything about this guy until I heard one of their episodes about him a few months ago. So Father Durand-K was born in 1809 in central France. He felt a calling to the Society of Jesus from a young age, But his poor health for a time prevented him from continuing his training. He persevered, though, and was admitted to the Jesuits this week, September 3rd, 1836. He was sent to the United States for his novitiate. He would remain in North America for the rest of his life. He spent time in Louisiana, Canada, and finally New York, serving as a professor and a pastor. And then in 1864, he was appointed chaplain to the New York prisons. He ministered in notorious institutions such as Hart's Island and the tombs. He was evidently highly effective, bringing comfort and encouraging repentance among the convicts. Among many conversions, probably the most remarkable was that of Albert Hicks. Now that's a name probably most people won't recognize today, but he was infamous in his time. He was a pirate on the high seas for 20 years, committed the most heinous crimes, ended up in New York City, where he was convicted of murder and executed by public hanging in June 1860. Prior to his execution though, Hicks, who had apparently been raised Catholic, asked for the chaplain, he confessed to Father Duran Kay, who visited him daily thereafter, helping to turn his despair into hope of eternal life. The priest accompanied Hicks to the gallows and was with him to the end. In 1887, aged 79, Father Duran Kay finally retired after 23 years of prison ministry. He did some teaching and spiritual direction until his death in 1891. Father Henry Duran Kay had become a Jesuit this week in 1836.
2: Wow, a couple of epic stories that we get from Kevin Schmusing today. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, and the Catholic History Trek podcast, both linked at our site, sonrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for today. Kevin, really appreciate you digging up these stories for us today. Thank you so much.
25: You bet. My pleasure.
2: All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with traffic and weather right after this. Stay with us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving
0: Home the Faith when Dr. Joseph Selah will give us the news from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Alan Migliorato will share the Adventure Catholic Parenting Tip. I'll talk about the need to speak to people about Jesus Christ, with frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the
8: road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith.
21: Married Couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org.
12: Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at BrosartPharmacy.com.
0: Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finer Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finer Meats on Bridgetown Road. 513-574-3100 on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com.
12: Support for Sacred Art radios from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1 800 Molly or at MollyMaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust.
17: I'm Father Jan Schmidt. Our prayer today is for various needs for the family. O oh God, in whose eternal design family life has its firm foundation, look with compassion on the prayers of your servants, and grant that following the example of the holy family of your only begotten Son, in practicing the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity, we may, in the joy of your house, delight one day in eternal rewards. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
2: 20 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Still got quite a few slow spots on the interstate southbound 71 between Mason Montgomery and the Norwood Lateral, southbound 75 from Union Center Boulevard off and on through the Lachlan Split, northbound 75. As uh, you're approaching and getting past the Norwood lateral up toward Ronald Reagan. Uh, In northern Kentucky, northbound 471 is slow from 275 up to the river. Northbound 7175 is slow from 275 up to the cut in the hill. Still a little bit heavy as you are approaching the airport on westbound 275. Now for weather, partly cloudy with some pop-up afternoon storms today in Cincinnati with a high of 92 degrees, partly cloudy and muggy tonight with an overnight low of 70, partly cloudy with some spotty storms tomorrow and a high of 87. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, partly sunny with a spotty shower or storm possible and a high of 90, partly cloudy with a spotty shower or storm possible tonight and an overnight low of 71, partly cloudy with a chance of showers and storms tomorrow and a high near 86 Dr. Jared Stout joins us next it's 21 past
0: now Sacred Heart Radio has our own smart speaker channel
12: Playing Sacred Heart Radio
0: yes now when you ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio it will immediately play our stream without some of the inappropriate commercial content that you had to sit through from the tune-in connection So at any time of the day or night, to hear Sacred Heart Radio loud and clear, ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support
25: Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide, while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one,
12: theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging
0: women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's
1: supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com.
2: Three minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been taking a slow stroll through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books, and I've been enjoying every step of the way. Dr. Stout, good morning. Good morning. It's good to have you. Now, we're uh, continuing through uh, this walk through church history and our understanding of the Eucharist. Um, and we're on to the Protestant revolt today, and I know that there are, are many heresies that came out of this time, but just to start us off, can you talk about a few of the more prevalent Eucharistic heresies that we get from the, this, uh, this time period?
23: Well, there's
19: an underlying principle of the Reformation that what God expects of us is simply faith. Now, from a Catholic position, we do believe that God expects faith from us, but that with faith, the whole law uh, is fulfilled. And so there's an interior aspect of my own relationship with God that ends up trumping everything else. And so when it comes to the Eucharist, the same principle applies, that we do not need exterior means Of communicating with Christ, because if we have faith, well, we already have interior communion. Mm -hmm. And so there is a consistent downplaying of the sacramental aspect of the faith, including with the Eucharist. And as a whole, in the Reformation, um, the sacraments were reduced to baptism and the Eucharist. Now, of course, there are many variations um, of theology and sacramental practice in Protestant denominations, but as a whole, you have this reduction to baptism and the Eucharist. And then what the Eucharist means is really anyone's guess. <laughs> yeah. Martin Luther and others said that the Bible would be sufficient in and of itself to teach Christians of the truth of the faith. Hmm. Yet when it comes to the Eucharist, there is no agreement whatsoever. Uh, Martin Luther held to a position of consubstantiation uh, because at the Last Supper, he said, you know, Jesus said, this is my body. So it's Jesus' body, but, you know, it's also still bread. He said that transubstantiation, which we've talked about the last couple of weeks, doesn't make any sense he thought it made more sense for the Eucharist to be two different things at once, so i 'm not sure how that makes more sense, but he said <laughs> that it did. Luther got in a in a very uh, violent disagreement with Zwinli, the main reformer of Switzerland, that there was a proposal at the Marburg colloquy that the two of them might be able to work together and and unite different Protestant groups, but Luther was shouting at Zwindli. Um, about those words of the Last Supper, this is my body, because Zwinley simply said that the Eucharist was symbolic. You know, it's just bread and wine that that we use as a commemoration of Jesus. Um, Zwinley's successor as the head of the Swiss Reformation, John Calvin, um, had something a little bit more nuanced as his position for the Eucharist that In receiving bread and wine, there is a spiritual communication of Jesus' body and blood. Um, So it's not just symbolic, like Zwinley said, but it's also not the body and blood of Christ, like Luther said. It's a spiritual communion with the body and blood of Christ. Uh, Then you have other groups, like in the Radical Reformation. Uh, The Radical Reformation would be like the Anabaptist groups. Um, so the Amish is the most famous of these today, but you know you have many others as well, um, and they do not actually have liturgical uh, worship at all, and so there is no Eucharist. Rather, there would be more of like a what some groups called the agape meal, trying to resurrect this ancient Christian meal, which expresses communion um, through a just regular, ordinary meal within the community. Huh. So we have the whole spectrum here uh, yeah. from different Protestant groups.
2: Well, and we've talked before about heresies and how they have, have led the church into a, a genuine development of doctrine, uh, a better understanding or a, better, a clear, clearer way to communicate The doctrine. But would you say, is it fair to say that the Protestant revolt took things to a whole new level?
19: Well, I mean, the fact that you have half of Europe, you know, breaking uh, away from the church, certainly it was very destabilizing. And, you know, the Reformation spread very quickly throughout Northern Europe, and no one quite knew where it would end. And so there was a way in which Certain people in the church felt like everything was simply collapsing. Some people have compared it to Latin America right now, which mm. is becoming. Some people say it's becoming Protestant faster than Europe during the Reformation. Oh wow! In Latin America, uh, but you know it's interesting when you listen to different debates. Right, there were actually debates like Luther debated um, certain people in Germany, and and Zwingli did in Switzerland. And when you look at some of these debates, especially those in Switzerland, sometimes the, the Catholic interlocutor just had nothing to say. So there, there was, as we've talked about, you know, a very long tradition of the Eucharist. But I would say that people at this time were very ignorant of history. And St. John Henry Newman, who left Protestantism to become Catholic, once said, to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. But at this time, very few people were deep in history. So the Reformation might say, like, providentially led to uh, greater historical research and a deeper connection than to the church fathers and to others. But it took time to recover that. And the church will come out uh, being much stronger because of the Reformation. But there were difficult moments and, of course, so much damage uh, that happened in the meantime.
2: Well, where would you say we are now? In your mind, I mean, the the defense uh, against the the heresies that came out of of the Reformation have never really died down, right? I mean, so so how has the church responded through these centuries since then?
19: Well, I would say that initially the church really dug her heels in, um, and there definitely was a kind of us versus them mentality. Um, which became very political. You know, a lot of people are now yeah. saying the religious wars in Europe were not religious wars at all. They were political wars that ended up being two different camps divided by religious, you know, divisions. But that um, yeah. it, it was not essentially about religion. I would say, and I and I've actually written an article um, about this on Catholic World Report that I think we're now at the point where people on both sides are beginning to accept things from the other traditions. Some people have said the Reformation is now over 500 years later, in this sense that the issues of the Reformation are not as relevant to people today. Does that mean we're all going to be one church immediately? No, but but I do think that there are even many— Aspects of Protestantism that are becoming very influential in the Catholic Church. Uh, for instance, we talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. That is a very, traditionally at least, a Protestant thing.
9: Mm-hmm. That
19: we now have come to see. Well, well, that's actually kind of important here. We are now emphasizing uh, personal reading of Scripture. I mean, Pope Benedict even said that Lectio Divina, this personal prayerful reading of Scripture, could lead to a whole new springtime in the Church. Now, Lectio Divina is not Protestant, but on the other hand, we've, we've recognized the Protestants have outstripped us in biblical knowledge. And so we're saying, well, maybe there's something there. Now, there is downsides to this as well, because we live in a very individualistic culture. And as I've mentioned, Protestantism, was very much rooted in an individual relationship with God, personal faith, even private in, in some ways. And so many people, especially in Western society, tend to reinterpret the Catholic faith along more Protestant lines today. And this is where we, we even saw through that Pew survey that came out a few years ago that is still kind of rocking the Church, that two-thirds of Catholics in the United States hold to a more Protestant view of the Eucharist. Now, unlike you know having a personal relationship with God or knowing the Bible, I think we would say that is not a good thing. No, uh, because Jesus clearly taught us about the Eucharist in the New Testament. The Eucharist has always been the center of the church, and and if you think that that you know the body and blood of Christ are actually more just like symbols during the Mass, um, this is actually a very serious. We would even say heresy, right? And and that you are not even able to receive the Eucharist fruitfully. It would actually be a sacrilegious communion if you're approaching the Eucharist without genuine faith in the Lord's presence there. So over time, as Protestantism has been influencing the Catholic Church, and I would say the Catholic Church has been influencing Protestantism in other ways as well, um, there's definitely some, some good elements, but also some very difficult and even existential threats that we can see uh, coming into the church as well.
2: Yeah, which is why we need to reclaim the authentically Catholic nature of um, of our entire worldview. And uh, that, well, is what we're going to be getting into as we move forward in this book. In the meantime, you can find How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jared Stout, appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. It is 33 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. Pope Francis is back in Rome today after spending a long weekend in Mongolia. He paid his customary visit to pray before the icon of Our Lady, the Salus Populi Romani, in the Basilica of St. Mary Major upon his return home. Before leaving Mongolia, the Pope inaugurated the House of Mercy in the capital, Ulaanbaatar. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports.
14: On the 4th of September, marking his final day in Ulaanbaatar, Pope Francis stood before a gathering of charitable organizations and volunteers, expressing his gratitude for their warm welcome, which included traditional Mongolian song and dance. Pope Francis stressed how the House of Mercy is a tangible expression of the Church's care for others. Describing the House of Mercy as a place where all are welcome, Pope Francis encouraged volunteers to step forward and embrace the ethos of selfless service. He then went on to reject the myth that only the wealthy can engage in volunteer work. Reality tells us the opposite, he says. It is not necessary to be wealthy to do good. Rather, almost always, it is people of modest means who choose to devote their time, skills and generosity to caring for others. The Holy Father also emphasized that charity should not become a business. Charity demands professionalism, but charitable works should not turn into business, he said. Rather, they should retain their freshness as works of charity where those in need can find people ready to listen to them with compassion, regardless of whatever pay they may receive. In closing, Pope Francis thanked all those involved in charitable works and extended his blessings to them. He urged everyone in their charity to pray for him, too, and called upon the citizens of Mongolia to embrace volunteer work and foster a culture of compassion for the common good. I'm Francesca Mergu. While on the flight back to Rome from Mongolia,
2: the Pope answered a question from a journalist about his exhortation to Chinese Catholics this weekend to be good Christians and good citizens. While Mongolia borders China, the Chinese bishops were not allowed to attend papal events. When asked about relations with China, the Holy Father said, quote, the relationship with China is very respectful. I personally have great admiration for the Chinese people. The channels are very open for the appointment of bishops. There is a commission that has been working with the Chinese government and the Vatican for a long time. Then there are many, or rather there are some, Catholic priests or Catholic intellectuals who are often invited to Chinese universities to offer courses. He said, I think we need to move forward in the religious aspect to understand each other better, and so that Chinese citizens do not think that the church does not accept their culture and values and that the church is dependent on another foreign power, end quote. Congress is set to return to Washington, D.C. today after its summer recess. Mark Mayfield reports.
4: There are a number of issues on the agenda, including a potential government shutdown looming in the coming weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell could address his health situation this week after another freezing moment. Last week, the 81-year-old suddenly stopped speaking at a press event in Kentucky where an aide had to step in. A similar freeze moment also happened back in July. I'm Mark Mayfield.
2: And the arm of St. Jude will be leaving Italy for the first time and be on display in the U.S. beginning this weekend. The 100-city tour is called the Apostle of the Impossible, the tour of relics of St. Jude the Apostle. The first stop will be Saturday at St. John Cantius Church in Chicago. The tour was announced by the apostolate Treasures of the Church. And the arm of St. Jude will be in Cincinnati on Thursday, October the 26th at St. Cecilia Church in Oakley. So Apostleoftheimpossible.com is where you can get more information and find out. And um, then, Paul, there's like this hiatus where it's like location TBD. So maybe there will be more parishes in uh, the Archdiocese of Cincinnati before St. Jude heads to, I think, Pennsylvania is the next place after that. So, we can always hope. All right, because he is the saint of hope for sure. Well, all saints are saints of hope, anyway. Eight thirty-eight yeah. now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know,
24: when I've always I've been saying it all summer that the uh, that Cincinnati needs another arm, but uh, he's never, <laughs> this is never.
2: This never what I meant by You weren't thinking that. about St. Jude's arm, huh?
24: Hey, we can use the help though. Hey, absolutely.
2: Although, October 26th, that would be like the end of the baseball playoffs, right? We'd be in the World Series at that point.
24: That sounds like a good time. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Anyway, Sports on Sacred Heart Radio, brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine.
24: Well, if our Reds are going to make it to the World Series, they're going to have to continue to win games against good teams, and the Reds did that. Just yesterday, 6-3 win over the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Lucas Sims pick up the win, and uh, the Reds got a three-run home run from Spencer Steer. Redlegs improved to 72-68, and 68, still in third place in that NL Central, but right in the thick of things in the NL wild card. Reds and uh, Seattle will meet up again tonight. Connor Phillips gets the ball for Cincinnati Bengals are expected to have one of their top defensive players ready for week one Chinado Awuzie is on track to uh, play against the Browns this Sunday the cornerback hasn't played since week eight of last year after suffering a uh, torn ACL meanwhile the Bengals are uh, giving out more positive injury updates Joe Burrow officially listed as day-to-day as he recovers from that calf injury that's a look at uh, sports we got more on the sunrise morning show it's 20 till the top of the hour.
1: It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee.
2: And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase.
1: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store.
2: Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
21: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery. And he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700. Online at beaconortho.com.
1: Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com.
12: Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels list of underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to SacredHeartRadio.com and click... Angels List. Eternal Father,
16: I offer you all the wounds of your dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ, the pains and agony of His Sacred Heart, and His most precious blood, which gushed out from all His wounds for the reparation of my sins and those of the whole world. We remember with heartfelt sorrow our weaknesses and all your suffering in this noble task. Amen.
1: The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and uh, it's always great to talk media literacy and the various phrases that get tossed around, the ideas that get tossed around uh, on the news and social media with Bill Schmidt from Onward.net. He's a communications professional with sort of decades of watching all of this take form in its current state. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Matt. I wish we had two hours to talk about polls. You recently put out a very fascinating post about the idea of polling. Uh, What got you thinking about this? And, uh, of course, we don't, I mean, obviously we got elections coming up. So some of this has to do with what people are trying to measure. Some of this has to do with what people want to see in the polls. But but what got you really kind of rolling on this topic?
16: Well, I I saw one poll about who thinks their favorite candidate is trustworthy. And one of the options they could give was, well, he's mistaken, but I feel he thinks he's being accurate. So that's when I shook my head and I said, well, in this poll, we're trying to read people's minds, other people's minds, while they're trying to read their candidate's mind. And uh, then the uh, pundit commenting on the poll said, well, clearly, these supporters don't care if their candidate lies. So we were Doing what polls, I'm afraid, tend to do, that we're quantitating or we're we're treating uh, quantitatively uh, opinions and the whole uh, process of polling, which should inform uh, genuine uh, debate and uh, conversation among people. Instead, we're kind of clapping quantities and percentiles and labels on people before they actually get to finalize their opinions with others.
1: Well, what's fascinating to me about polls is when it comes to those questions, they're almost always questions that in the polls are couched as yes or no questions. Right. But if I were to answer them, like if you were to ask me a question about what I think about something, do I like it or dislike it, my answer would almost always be like, yes but or something exactly. like that i mean we catholics we're not like known for being both and people right we're not either right. or people so doesn't this sort of complicate it
16: exactly exactly we're being uh narrowed into uh binary choices on on things that should lead to deeper uh conversations and that's really the only way that polls can can be of service to us uh uh i'm uh i'm Already uh, wary of polls uh, uh, more than a year uh, before the uh, presidential debates and I, a presidential election. And I hope that we have more chances to use polls constructively.
1: Well, and it doesn't just happen uh, in presidential elections, right? I mean, we see this That's all the time right. when, it, when it comes to church teaching, right? So sometimes you'll see somebody say, well, X percentage of Catholics disagree with this aspect of church teaching. And you got to take a step back and say, like, wait, but was the church teaching ever put in place due to, like, a democratic process or popular opinion in the first (laughs) place? Like, I mean, so so you've got that on the side. But also, I think, too, Bill, I I mean, gosh, you've been doing media stuff for forever. I mean, how much of this comes from the you-get-what-you-measure principle? Like, if you go looking for something, you can then form questions that will get you— the answer that you're kind of looking for in the first place. I mean, like, how much of that bias is sort of built into the construction of the polls themselves, depending on where they come from?
16: That's right. If you're looking for X, it's unlikely that you will detect Y. In other words, uh, uh, you have to be open to uh, shades of opinion. You have to be open to being surprised by what people say. And yeah, you're not going to get that in uh most uh polling
1: yeah, well i'm um, often wait, 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 surprised yeah. by polling because every time i see a poll come out i'm like well none of my friends think this way like where are they finding these people so right <laughs> yeah well i encourage people because you've done a deep dive into this question over at onward.net it's linked at sunrise morning thanks so much bill have a wonderful
19: day
16: oh thank you my pleasure take care Matt.
1: all right andrew swaffer joins us
19: next a wedding is a day, a marriage is a lifetime.
12: Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon.
19: This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage.
12: Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com.
20: The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, Resuscitation of the Rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and Mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by
0: encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed
2: On the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Andrew Swafford. He is one of the contributors to A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. We're continuing our weekly Old Testament Bible study using that text. You can pick up your own copy, study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. Andrew, welcome back.
10: Hey, it's great to be back with you, Andy. Thanks for having me.
2: It is good to have you. And last time we talked about the first book of Samuel. Now we are on to the second book of Samuel today. And kind of interesting, I didn't know this until I read about it in in the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, that uh, we have them as separate books in the Bible today, but that may not have been the case originally.
22: No, that's
10: right. These books really form a unity, and one way to see that, literally, is uh, the, the way in which the Song of Hannah and, the, and toward the beginning of First Samuel, First Samuel two, is really kind of bookended by a lot of similar themes with the Song of David in Second Samuel twenty two, and so. They're, and then there's a, they really echo each other, and they're, they're kind of like bookends to this really this unified work uh, known as Samuel. And Samuel, by the way, means uh, either name of God, so shame means name, Shem, um, mm-hmm. or it could be God hears. So Shema is a, is a verb that they, if we have the I I-N dropped off, uh, it would be Shemuel could mean God hears. So God hears or name of God is what the, the name Samuel means.
2: Wow, and Samuel who heard God, like literally. All right?
10: Yeah, yeah, at a time when the Word of God seemed to be uh, not being heard very well.
2: Wow, yeah, well, and uh, we see the Word of God not being heard very well in uh, certain parts of the (laughs) second book of Samuel, that is for sure. But before we get to some of that, who who are the important people to know in this book?
10: Well, Second you know, Samuel, really very much we're, we're seeing the kind of transition from the house of Saul to the house of David and the rise of David. So um, David uh, is going to figure, is going to loom very, very large. Um, we're going to meet Nathan, the prophet Nathan. We're going to meet Bathsheba. We're going to meet Absalom and Amnon. And um, so it, it, it basically the, 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 really the rise of David's kingdom. But then, then we're going to have kind of a tragic Downfall of David, and it's going to lead to suffering and strife, um, and it's going to set the stage. We're going to have the birth of Solomon before it's all over.
2: Hmm. Okay, yeah. So actually, that leads me quite seamlessly. I was going to ask if you could give us an overview of the major events that happen in Second Samuel.
10: Yeah, I mean, I, I so I, I chapters one through four are, are really part of that transition from from Saul and the rise of you know, dynasty of Saul or the <clears throat> house of Saul to the house of David. But by t- second thing of five. Um, David takes Jerusalem. So David is going to be anointed king over all 12 tribes of Israel. So um, then that's going to be really important, which this kind of unified, all 12 tribes under the Davidic king, and then David takes Jerusalem, which... Is something uh, in the book of Joshua it tells us Joshua fifteen verse sixty three that Joshua couldn't take Jerusalem. So there's this real sense in which David kind of completes what Joshua began, mm-hmm. and in the next chapter he brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and this is huge in Second Samuel six. It's loaded with all kinds of beautiful things. Uh, we could talk about it in a minute if you'd like, that really parallel Mary's visitation, that portray Mary as the new Ark of the Covenant. But then in Chapter 7, that sets up where the Davidic Covenant is made, where it seemingly really in response to what David just did in 2 you know, Samuel 6, of bringing the Ark to Jerusalem. Um, and then now the Davidic Covenant, where God promises David an everlasting dynasty. And there's there's all kinds of things uh, present there uh, even speaking of the Davidic king as going as going to have a special kind of divine sonship that he will be my son, I'll be his father, second Samuel seven fourteen. and that's there's a sense in which that's true of the Davidic King by way of adoption, but it's, it's pointing to the the one for whom it's really true Jesus Christ. Um, and then chapter, you know as you move through from there, eight, nine ten, David conquers uh, the surrounding enemies of Israel, Philistines, and the like. and and really what happens is these people become, kind of vassals, and they become kind of incorporated in, and we're going to see this with Solomon later on in First Kings, um, they're really entering into, in a sense, the Davidic covenant. They're kind of coming to the temple and coming to know the God of Israel, so this is like a brief snapshot of the universality of what Jesus will do in the, in the New Covenant, but then by the time we get to chapter 11, we get the famous scene with David and Bathsheba, and, and, and there's a couple, I mean, David is sort of idle. At his, you know, back at his palace while his men are at war, and so that's the first clue something is amiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees Bathsheba, and you know, and, and, and this is there's obviously a huge power differential between a king and and, and this Bathsheba. And, um, I mean, basically, it, it, you know, he he ends up more or less I mean, raping her and, and 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 impregnating her, and ends up murdering her, you know murdering her husband and. Um, and so that, and then this is, you know, the next chapter, Nathan calls him out on this. Uh, but then, like, there's a real spiral of events from chapters 11 through 20 where just this sin leads to dysfunction and strife and family division uh, to the point where Absalom, one of his sons, is driving David out of Jerusalem. Um, and, and so there's this very kind of tragic turn of events. And then we'll end with David repenting, um, we'll end with David. Uh, purchasing the, the area of land that's going to be where the temple will be built um, by Solomon, and his son. So it, it ends on more of a higher note, but it, it, it's sort of this glorious rise and this tragic downfall and then this, you know, this hope for repentance and new beginnings.
2: Yeah, through the son of David, which is an important term in salvation yes. history. Now, we talked last time when we were discussing First Samuel about this you know getting these glimmers of of God's ultimate plan for salvation as as we see the rise of the kingdom of David and what that's going to mean for us as Christians in his church can you talk about the role of typology in in 2nd Samuel i mean what do we learn about Jesus and as you mentioned his mother in this book
10: yeah i mean there's so uh, gosh there's maybe three things um a couple of things stand out for sure. So we mentioned the Ark of the Covenant um, when David brings the Ark, Second Samuel six to Jerusalem. A series of parallels. The parallel the way Luke recounts Mary's visitation. So David arises with haste. Um, the leaping and dancing before the Ark parallels John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaping before uh, Mary when she comes to visit uh, Elizabeth. Um, the Ark stays at this House of Obedim for three months, just as Mary stays at the House of Zechariah for three months. Um, so all these in, in the Ark of the Covenant, uh, you know just so we 're all on the same page I mean this this is the holiest object in all of Israel. this is where god 's presence dwells ultimately in the Holy of Holies. Uh, it housed the Ten Commandments, it housed an, a, a, a jar that held the manna, it housed Aaron's hyposy rod, just as the Blessed Mother in her womb has the Word of God made flesh. Has the bread of life uh, and Jesus is the eternal high priest in Jesus so this I mean there's no way in Israel I could say in the ancient world oh I love the Lord just get that stinking Ark away from me it's like no no that doesn't make any sense right I mean the uh, this is I mean, this is monumental things to say about the Blessed Mother, that she is the new Ark of the Covenant. Um, the other thing, David, we mentioned him taking Jerusalem. David clearly acts not just like a king, but a priest king. And you see this very clearly in Second Samuel 6, where he's wearing a linen ephod, a priestly garment. He offers sacrifice. He gives the blessing. So David really is acting a part of a new Melchizedek, a new priest king of Jerusalem, Jerusalem which is equated with Salem, um, and this, this all sets, I mean, there's lots of things we could talk about here. But Jesus, you know, as you know, is, is said to be a priest, not according to the order of Levi, but the order of Melchizedek. Uh, and this is extremely important to see how this is connected to David. Yeah, it's, I mean, we, we, we could continue going on here. But the, the Ark of the Covenant, David, the role of David as priest, king and son of God. Is something quintessentially fulfilled in Jesus and something that we all enter into via our baptism. We become sons and daughters in the Son and share in his priestly, prophetic, and royal mission.
2: Oh, well, thank you so much, Andrew Swafford. You can find the Old Testament guide uh, at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. For Matt Swayman, Paul Lachman, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.
0: Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org.
12: You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com.
7: Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at Jesuitspiritualcenter.com, Jesuitspiritualcenter.com. That's Jesuitspiritualcenter.com, Jesuitspiritualcenter.com.
0: Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591.
21: That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. that's DelhiPetCenter.com.
12: on Saturday September 9th Americans throughout the United States will honor the memory of more than 60 million unborn victims of abortion during the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children please join in prayer at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in the Baby Garden Saturday, September 9th at 9 a.m., 11,000 Montgomery Road, Cincinnati. More information at Gate of Heaven Cemetery, 513 489 0300. Please bring a folding chair and umbrella for your comfort.
7: This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart
0: Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, Stream.